Shiv, mm. Shiv, listen, please. I beg you, listen. I can do this. I don't think you'd be good at it. What? I don't, I don't even believe you. I don't believe you. I don't. I don't think that you would be good at this. For fuck's sake, Shiv. This doesn't make, like, logic. Where's the logic? No, I just don't think you'd be good at it. I feel like if I don't get to do this, I, I, I feel like that's it. Like, I might, I might, like, I, I might die. Shiv, can we go in that room? Can you just vote? Please. Please. Hello, welcome to the Extra Credits of Succession. I'm Trey. And I'm Kelsey. Tonight is our reaction podcast to Succession Season 4, Episode 10, the finale with open eyes. Yeah. We just finished the episode. I am faking a happy emotion right now. (laughs) (laughs) I am basically AI. I am not being myself. I'm trying to keep up a podcast persona, but I am dead inside. Yeah, (laughs) devastated. For no reason. It's like we know that we don't like, we're not supposed to like these siblings. We know it's a satire, but shit, guys, like these siblings were just like, destroyed yeah, at the end of this I mean, episode. It's so sad. Like, so poor listeners, new listeners, listeners who've been listening to us all season. Yeah. We just got off the couch. Yep. We're doing a reaction. Yep. So we're not going to go through all of our awards and power rankings. We'll probably do another episode for that sure. this week. This is pure reaction. And I'm just like, so sad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think like, it truly. must be the score, right? Yeah, the Bertel score. Yeah, and seeing then, the ambiguous endings of yeah, all these siblings. Yeah, and then at just the, the cut of music and watching Ken watch the water, and then Colin in the background, like this yeah. Ghost I mean, obviously, him. like these siblings we've been talking about all season, and since our season one deep dive, like deserve this ending, or or it just makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The Murdoch the family spiraling out of control as yeah. their lord father dies, and this is like their kind of. <laughs> journey of the end, a self-destructive journey to the end. It yeah. Is just, but it's just real. It's like brutal, you know, yeah. um, to see basically the, the way that these characters end up and yeah. the idea of like, not only the poison dripping through, but just the, the poison that they're willing to unleash on each other, like yeah. knowing it, yes. right? Like we've been talking about all season, it, they are coming to terms with yeah. and, and acknowledging who they really are. And it, that's even more painful than yes. watching season one through three of them just backstab each other. It reminds me of, um, I struggle watching one of Martin Scorsese's famous, most famous films, Goodfellas and mm. Casino is one of my other fa- low key favorites from Scorsese. The The end of those movies make me so depressed. Do you remember watching? I think when I, we first watched Casino, I think it yeah. might have been Casino. And I think you said, you just like, feel heavy at the end. I yeah. don't think I want to watch this ever again. Like, <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel at the end of this show. Um, but you know who it's a good day for? It's a good day for people in Minnesota. It's a good day for people, all of our listeners in Sweden, which we do actually have a lot. Shout out Minnesota listeners and Swedish listeners. Uh, I think May 28th will go down as Wamsgans Day, Matson Day, which is pretty fun. New Money Day yeah. to a certain extent. So that was interesting. I guess we talked about Tom running this this. We company. did. Last episode, Last episode, you know, maybe we can talk about our power rankings briefly and we yeah. won't go into it until we do our final power rankings next episode but i slept on tom like yeah. you last episode were really trying to convince me that tom could be someone who takes over like could be in power and i was like you know what it it, it might make sense because all the siblings the this whole season are mm-hmm. like you know like 
we hate Tom. Like when he walks by in a room, they're yeah. all three of them are just like they're heckling like, him. Tom. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I just thought like what I, what I had said last episode, uh, that Jesse Armstrong wouldn't do what he did in season three, um, because like it would feel like the ending. same thing, yeah. but it doesn't feel like the same thing. Um, it's a through line and of it's his a, character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really is. It's like the siblings are sleeping. They're delusional. Yeah. And Tom, uh, like he kind of pitches to Matson is just taking the next steps. Like Shiv said, Logan was only concerned about one foot in front of the other. Yes. So it makes total sense. It feels, Thomas, it, it feels Thomas, like a good ending. Um, like yeah. something that really, really makes sense. And it wasn't a total like plot twist or, um, mm, yeah. something for, for shock value, which I appreciated, yeah. which I think some people are going to maybe more casual watchers of succession are not going to love this ending because of the ambiguity of mm-hmm. the end of the siblings and their arcs. And I think that the reason why we appreciate it so much is because that's how we start this whole show off, which yeah. is that season one, episode one ends up with these, you know, Roman not wanting to do anything with the company. It starts off with Shiv lying to herself about her posturing like liberal aesthetics, but really being a part of this toxic corporation. Mm -hmm. And then Kendall wanting to be CEO because he's the eldest son. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it ends just like that. And the boy from Minnesota who is from this like conservative working class, middle America wants to come up and run the conservative media corporation of the United States. And like, that's what he, he's okay being a puppet. Of yeah. those in power and those in charge. And he's been, he's been very clear about that to Logan. Um, he's ate his chicken, but he's also t- told, <laughs> he's the, also told Logan that, yeah, he ate two. his chicken on the yacht, but he's also <laughs> told Logan, like, I don't mind being subservient to you. And that's basically what happens with Matson. And so Tom becomes Matson's Greg and, and Tom has his own Greg. And that's how the show ends. Yeah. And I looked back at our power rankings last episode going into this one, even though we're going to save those for a deep dive for episode 10. But our most recent power ranking was Kendall, number one, Mattson, number two, number three, Shiv, number four, Greg, and number five, Tom. Mm. And in parentheses next to Tom's name, I think we brought this up because we predicted three major predictions of Tom winning out with Greg was our third prediction. Uh, But next to Tom, I put two weeks in a row where I feel like Tom should be higher, but we have no serious evidence for that. (laughs) So I am very worried. (laughs) Um, And I don't know if I read that on the last episode's pod, but it is funny seeing like my past self write that. Uh, So I think you're trying to to convince me to put Tom higher. Yeah. And I was saying that Greg was in with Ken and Matson. So it didn't totally make sense. Greg, Greg the cloud, see, the information machine. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk more about Greg and Tom. Yeah. Everything with that and like the trust there. Uh, mm-hmm. But something that's interesting about that, which I think we'll talk more about when we go into our like deep dive episode and do our final like official ranking just in the reaction. It makes sense that Kendall was number one boy and he's yeah. like the one who's no longer on the board and someone who we kept saying we wish we could put in our power rankings. And I think we did at certain points was like Jerry yes, because we're, but we were like, but it doesn't totally make sense because she's not in the, in a lot of the episodes. Right. Um, so we were like, but we feel like she, she should be here. So, um, that, I mean, that totally makes sense as far as tracking the moves that Armstrong's making and where these characters end up. That is totally realistic because, I mean, that was like our power ranking from last time. Yeah. So, okay, let, let's talk about like how this all happened. <laughs> um, well, even, even before that, I want to talk to our listeners for a second. Oh, yes. So 
I think we want to thank all of our longtime listeners and our new listeners in this reaction episode because I think we're going to have the most people probably click on this one <laughs> uh, because everyone's still reeling from this this final episode of Succession. I want to thank everyone for tuning in each week for almost three months now. The mission of our podcast is to search for meaning in movies and shows. So we cover new releases with reviews. Sometimes we interview writers and directors or creatives from films that we really like. We also have like fun exercises that we love to do, like movie drafts or ranking games. Like we have one coming up this week. Yeah, we did Spider-Man. So fun. I loved Spider-Man and all the rewatch of that. Follow us on Letterboxd in the description to see what we watch every single day. And uh, yeah, we even covered television um, that we think is thematically interesting and entertaining recently with The Last of Us and now Succession. So being able to like build this mini Succession community these last few months has been kind of a a dream for both of us because (laughs) this is probably our favorite show of all time. And I think when we started the Extra Credits podcast a little over a year ago, we said, wouldn't it be cool to cover the final season of Succession? And actually like have listeners to like talk with and, and try to predict things about how the show is going to end. So it's kind of crazy that it happened. Yeah. And to just have like listeners and build a community who are just as interested. Yes. Um, as we are in succession. Because and- we thought we were like the, the number one fans, but there's a lot of us. <laughs> there's a lot of us out there. And yeah, I mean, it's been like genuinely like an incredible experience watching the last season of succession and mm-hmm. getting to share it with all of our listeners, giving out our cringe awards, chess awards, tragic moments, and, and also like updating our number one boy to bore on the floor f- rankings. Yeah. It's been <laughs> just so much fun. And then just hearing from our listeners about their own theories, um, and what they catch as chess moves from succession. Um, it's just been a really fun three months and yeah. I'm, I'm sad that it's all over. Like yeah, I know that we we are mainly a movie podcast, so you know movies are ramping back up. But yeah, I are. have a feeling like we're not going to have a succession for a long time. So there's something that's very sad about it. There is something about like this fleeting, singular monoculture experience. I think happening in in my mind too right now <laughs> while finishing off this this show. Um, but yeah, speaking of the the listeners, I also want to thank the listeners who have like sent us messages on social or have emailed us who've left ratings or reviews about our show on Spotify and Apple telling us like how much the show has meant to them and talking about these shows and movies thoughtfully like we try to do on this podcast and and thematically break things down and sometimes overly intellectualize some of the text (laughs) and that's something we like to do and psychologizing all these characters has been a ton of fun (laughs) um and I think this is a, a good time to mention we'll be talking more about this in detail on our mailbag sometime soon But our show is choosing to stay independent for now and not join a podcast network. And in order to keep this show independent, we have to market our show organically. We do everything ourselves on the extra credits from recording to editing, running social. Kelsey makes all of our awesome graphics. Check out the extra credits plus my best work (laughs) on our Instagram Um, post. (laughs) And then um, obviously like landing guests like writers or directors or other people in the industry. All that is basically just us trying to make the extra credits work while also working our full-time jobs teaching public school. So if you haven't gotten around to it, the best way to support our show is to throw us five stars on your podcast platform. And if you can write an Apple review for us, just saying what you like about our show and, and what we do here. Yeah. And hopefully uh, you follow us for, for the rest of the movie season. There's a lot coming up. If you want to listen to our mailbag coming up soon. Oh yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about we got, all the movies coming this summer, this fall. Like, we're doing a recommendation pod yeah, probably soon. We're going to be doing we'll best on. of list soon. We got Wes Anderson. We have Indiana Jones, Christopher Nolan, Greta Gerwig. There's a lot. And that's not even coming like fall where we have Denis and, and we have Ridley Scott and David Fincher. 
There's going to be so much fun stuff this year. And guys, listen, I know it's cringe for people to like be like, hey, can you rate or review our show? But we do this for free. And I think our numbers have grown substantially from Succession <laughs> in the past few months, uh, especially out of India. <laughs> you know, th- th- it's weird. It's almost like double the numbers there. <laughs> um, so again, we just, we'd really appreciate it. Speaking of India. It feels very perverse to end it because it's been incredibly meaningful. You know, I love this cast. I love working with the crew my fellow writers I've had some of my happiest times in my career being in the writers room and working with them I'm quite a sort of softy really I like the family vibe we have around the show and the relationships we have but one of the few things I'm able to be really tough about I think is protecting like the show and um, the, its integrity and the more and more we discussed it in the room the more and more clear it became to me that this sequence of, uh, of Logan's death the competition over whether to sell or not intersecting with an election. Macon will be the next president of the United States. And then his funeral ended with the show ending. And once that became clear, I didn't really have any doubts. I had lots of emotional sadnesses, but it felt like, okay, this is how this show goes. Okay. So, well, actually, let's open by talking about the CE bros. Okay. Right? Roman um, and Ken. Yeah. They've been together since the underlined paper. Uh, since yes. they kind of made that pact. And, <laughs> Episode four. And they stole the crown and Shiv walks out. And so Ken's like trying to get the votes and we see him in a similar, uh, I guess, mood um, mm-hmm. or or drive as he was in the Which Side Are You On season one episode yeah. of trying to get all the votes. And my prediction was not correct and that we didn't go around like Ken was flying to all these different places to see Adrian Brody or like yes. Ewan or whoever to like get swing votes, basically. Right. That was what I thought would happen. Um, they almost set it up like that because he walks into his office almost like he was his drug self, like almost coked up a little bit. He's like high energy, yeah. ready to go. And also kind of delusional, right? Like he's like, I will, I'll get Stewie. He's yeah. fine. And and we know that Stewie Until he's like, How? <laughs> in season like, one had said that I am ethically, spiritually, and financially yeah. or whatever behind anyone who wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we already know who Stewie is. So um, yeah. even though it's great that Stewie ends up siding with him, he's team Kendall. It was the hilarious end. the time he decided to be team Kendall, like didn't work out for exactly. him. Exactly. But yeah. but we know that that Kendall is like kind of on this he he's not seeing reality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so and then Roman, uh, from last episode, the last time we see him is in that crowd and he is recuperating at mom's house. And I think Mark Mylot said they were shooting in Barbados. Okay. Uh but he, you know, he is just like kind of off the table. He was uh-huh. off of our power rankings. Yeah. I think after his spiral out of control, what we called the death of like Roman's character, the past three episodes, really seven to nine. Uh I wasn't too surprised to see him out of the the plot in yeah, a way he's totally out episode. and then when we go to barbados he's like wearing a shirt that looks kind of like a little kid child shirt, shirt or yeah. something right he's like the asking stripes. yeah like uh, he wants to be totally closed off he's yeah. almost like reverting because he feels like there's he's, like, wearing a bathing suit or something he's like walking it's just weird to see him not in like a full suit, like, that suit. He's always or whatever in, yeah. he wears his slacks and his like collar shirt with his sleeves up to his elbows yeah well that. the kids kind of revert from um within their dynamics with 
each other or just with themselves. It's like full business and performing mm-hmm. Logan Roy uh, disciple. Yeah. Or I am like totally stunted and right. we're going back to like being like little kids. There's no like in between with relationships yeah. Um, or with themselves. It's like we have it or we totally are devastated and don't. Yeah. Well, I think honestly, that's a part of Jesse Armstrong's writing that is so special because he gets you to the relate to these like evil characters, yeah. uh, in, in this kind of family household where you have kids return back to their, their parents, in this case, their mother and something about being back at your, around your parents, just in the atmosphere of your parents, there is always some kind of like stunted, feeling happening or something yeah. something well, going on where there, like there are memories that return yeah to it, it's like if you're around maybe people you grew up with yeah. right like there is some sort of identity that um or emotional it's clashing with your current yeah, subconscious self. Yeah. <laughs> that is like lingering and uh, that there's kind of makes its way to the surface that yeah. um like my my friends who I grew up with, right. Mm-hmm. If I ever am back with them, I have this, like this feeling of knowing the emotional dynamics that we've already gone through. Um, even though we're talking about like what's happening in our work lives right now. Right. right. So, um, so that, that was really interesting and we'll get more to the siblings later on and kind of like the tragedy of their relationships and where they go from here. But should after we, talk, we get the CEO bros, we should probably talk about Jonah Waystar. Yes, yeah. we we should talk about uh, <laughs> Shiv and Matson yes. and Tom because really it's in like this first act in the first thirty minutes that we have Shiv and Matson on a team. Mm-hmm. We're getting seeds of doubt from Matson, and then we Which have we Tom did... introduce the CEO. Right. So we predicted that Matson was using Shiv. Yeah, I think we thought he maybe figured that out earlier than he let on or at least Armstrong let on to us. Like it seemed like Matson was figuring that out in the moment as Shiv was talking to him a lot at the beginning of this episode about what the plan was. And I think, well, I guess what do, what do you think? Did Matson see this, uh, time magazine, uh, image, of yeah, the political Shiv, cartoon, like him being a, puppet. being a puppeteer. Do you think that that was like the final straw for him? The idea of this image of a woman controlling him because he's such like a misogynist. Do you think that it has to be an element of his decision or do you yeah. think he figured this out a long time ago? The pregnant, the pregnancy possibly. Well, I think that originally when he had the conversation right at the Gojo retreat mm-hmm. and the siblings decide like uh Shivy can't dance. Right. Yeah. And Kendall's like, I'm going to manipulate Roman to be on my team. We're going to cut Shiv out because she's a, a threat to me. Yes. Right. Which, Which obviously we see come to fruition. We, here. we have to be clear about that. It's not that uh, we don't believe that Kendall or Roman are actually do actually believe that Shiv can't be in charge of Waystar. Right. It's actually that they're scared of her. Yeah. Yeah. Or because I think Kendall she could have at the least power. is. Yeah. Kendall for sure. I think Roman's just. And Matson too. I think they're all threatened wants an by answer. Her. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, so I think that, um, we, in that episode, we're talking about like immediately after, I think Matson's playing Shiv. Yeah. Right. Even though he told her uh, information that Ebba, could be used against him, right. obviously like he is a predator, like sending Ebba blood. Quarts of blood. Yeah. Um, just wild stuff. Yeah. Shiv, um, is kind of, is going on this narrative of like, oh, I am in charge. He tells me that, uh, Matson's telling me that I remind him of my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I am totally capable. And so I, I want to like live in this narrative. Right. And so she is not able to see like, or just sense like danger from Matson because I think she is like in, in the idea of the light shining on her. Like she said, right. it's like, warm when the, the light shines on her and yes. she's really, uh, 
operating in that space. And also, I think we thought she believed, and I think honestly, we believe too, that she had a bit of leverage because she knew that stuff about Ebba. And so I think she knew that if Matson ever threw her under and, and, and kind of backstabbed her, she would also use that against him. But I guess I can wait for that later. That is like my biggest plot hole of this episode mm-hmm. is the, the Ebba blood stuff and then the Roman Jerry stuff like that that never intersecting those two kind of uh, those two character arcs never intersecting. And then nobody ever using that leverage again in this kind of shareholder buyout acquisition issue that's going on. Like neither party is using their leverage that they have on the other party. And I, and I think that was the weirdest part here about seeing Matson kind of figure out that he's going to backstab Shiv and then hire Tom. Yeah. I, I think we'll definitely talk about okay. that more later. Cause I have, I, I guess like when we get to the Matt's and Tom conversation, that's where I want to, I want to talk about that. But okay. for, as far as your question to answer that, I do think that this was the final straw okay. uh, or maybe the final realization uh, where Matson sees that puppet cartoon yeah. and says like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to appear like this to the public. Mm-hmm. Like I'm being controlled, especially by a woman. Yes. Like, and I think that it's similar to what, what we talked about in season one, where Logan sees Kendall on the face of a magazine, like that he's going to take over oh his God. company. Yes. And that's in the pilot, <laughs> like in the first, maybe like, you know, 20 minutes of, of yeah. the first episode of the whole series. So it was very similar in the idea of like, I don't want someone else to tell me ideas for something that I built, even though we know yeah. that Matson uh, is not actually a coder. Ebba tells us, and he mm-hmm. had his image created to be this like big tech leader. And I think, I mean, we can assume that as far as like what Ewan has said about Logan, like he is, someone who is meager mm-hmm. um, and he feels a meagerness or he's just basically his business strategy is to be mean and be a bully yeah. um, rather than and to commodify people's insecurities or meagerness and then sell it back to them. Exactly. Yeah. Which is like what we've been seeing Matson sort of do um, yeah. as far as just not being a quote unquote serious person. Like mm-hmm. we know that Logan also isn't a serious person and we've had something that this like podcast has stated <laughs> a lot that Logan is the most unserious person. The yeah. best thing that somebody can do in that position is keep telling everyone else around them that they are all unserious. Yeah. So. Control the narrative. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> but which yeah, apparently so, has worked if you listen to reactions on this show. So I, I view those as like similar things, which are really interesting bookends because the first and last episode of the whole series to have like someone who is in power change their mind because they feel threatened. Yes. And it's, it's awesome because we have, you know, we've been saying like Kendall's kind of the main character of mm-hmm. all this. And I still think that cause we'll, we'll talk about it at the end, but to see Shiv, um, have her final arc be that a man was threatened by her because she is a woman and she actually like is capable to do the job. Yeah. Um, or like what Matson says is she's actually like really smart. Yeah. And <laughs> like she, she's Tom. like kind of, yeah. Like I, I don't want to be pushed. Like I don't yeah. want to feel threatened. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is really interesting. So he wants to surround himself with the Oscars, you know, like that's Matson's whole thing. It's just yeah. so he can feel com- confident and so we can control them. Yeah. So let's talk about how Shiv and Tom are kind of set up at the beginning of this episode. Right. So there's a phone call. I yeah. think right after Shiv tells Matson that she's going to go try to get Roman's vote. She calls Tom on the jet to Barbados and Tom answers saying that they're going on. Like, I think they've met a few times like Tom and Matt well, first a few he times. Asks, like, am I getting fired? Like right. what's no, the situation? Right. Because yes. he still thinks that he doesn't know either. Like he hasn't gotten a vibe from Matson, who's very hard to read. Um, that like, is, am I getting fired or not? Because yeah. he thinks Shiv is still in charge. 
And I love when he says like, I'm getting nervous because Matson scheduled me for a third hang, meaning they have been hanging out. And that's why very important Tom guys has been so tired. Yes. Tired, tired Tom. A tactic. We said it last episode that the tired part of this is going to be like the wine jail bit of the third <laughs> season, which is that he's been talking to Logan behind the scenes, trying to find leverage if him and Shiv end up don't working out, which yeah. is like what happens in this moment. Shiv asks him like, can we still work? And I don't think Tom, he, Tom saw that as a move. Yeah, more than anything. And so he's like, this is not going to work. Well, I think what happens is he says, like, I don't know if I'm interested in a real relationship because, you know, Shiv says that are there any like positives here or is there anything to keep because it'd be just convenient like if we could stay together. Right. Um, As a business move. Yeah. And also because she's about to be CEO. So she doesn't want like similar how Logan didn't want to divorce in the papers about him and Marsha. I think Shiv is, is thinking the same thing. And when, when she steps into power and I think she says like, we've said the worst things. So like Mm -hmm. once you say the worst things, like you're free, and I think Tom is me in the at living it. room being like, actually, that logic checks out, Shiv. You're right. You guys should just stay together. <laughs> like a part of me just wanted them to make it work. Yeah. I mean, but but Tom knows, obviously, like yeah. that we've said the worst things. And I think we actually both mean those things. So I actually don't know if I want a relationship when you're about to be in power and all you do when you are in a position of power is stomp on me. Like, it, yes. I think similar to the wine thing that you've been talking about that that happened in season three mm-hmm. right of yeah. him like testing does she care about me does she care that i'm going to be thrown under the bus and go to jail it's the same thing here where he finally like kind of trusts her again and uh her first move at the tailgate party that they plan together is to spread rumors about how he's going to be fired like so, matson so they sprinkled these seeds in at the end of season two if you remember logan was going to turn in tom originally to the justice department and uh shiv asks logan like anybody but tom like oh, that's yeah. all i ask you and this is after their beach conversation. Uh, and so this is kind of after they've had their worst moment. This is kind of also their honeymoon-esque stage. And so I believe. And so like this is a pretty rough time at the beginning of their marriage to be having the, these serious conversations. But she does ask Logan, like, can you save Tom? And what she, and basically what she implies in, in that is saying, do you mind killing Kendall instead? Yeah. And that's basically what happens again at the end of season four. Wow. Yeah. It's and- like, do you mind, you know... <laughs> Matson, do you mind killing Kendall instead and saving my husband? And yeah. then that's what she does again. Well, I, I don't know if like it's it's unclear at the very beginning of the episode because I've only we've only seen it once. Like we just watched it and are coming to pod, which by the way, everyone, it is late. We are East Coast time, so yeah. we're like in the AM here. Yeah. Uh, it's rough. Shout I, out you West Coast listeners. Yeah. because uh, like Actually, you got you know, it easy over at 7 p.m. Those West Coast, pos- <laughs> West Coast podcasters don't know how hard this is. Okay, what is it like when this show ended like 6.30, 7.30 there? 7.30, I think, right? Wild. Could you imagine just being done potting at like 9.30? I know, being totally awake. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, I think that I think that with Tom, though, uh, we've been kind of like disagreeing all, se- all season, right? Yeah. Like, do Tom and Shiv actually love each other? Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. Like, throughout the series, we have had different parts where we do know that that Shiv in her own way does love Tom and uh and Tom does love Shiv too it's just like again this idea of not being able to make it work because of the Roy poison Mm -hmm. and and basically she did not have a model of love or connection from her mom or her dad right and so at the beginning of this episode I wasn't sure when she was talking to Matson in that room like if she was trying to keep Tom or not 
Okay. Um, yeah. Was that your read that she was trying to make sure that Matson doesn't fire him? I or? think her being a woman in that position, that was a really actually well-written like uh, scene showing how the inner workings of patriarchy and rooms of executives and power. And Basically how she had to like concede and yeah, that okay. my, hu- my husband, you know, will do anything for a dollar. It's like what she was, <laughs> is what she was saying or, or just a pat on the back um, or a step up the ladder. And it seems like, I think on the surface that she's throwing him under the bus, but I really feel like that was her only move. I think you're, I think you're right because it wouldn't always make sense. About, they have a business love conflict at the, at the middle of their relationship. Yeah. That they're both trying to do things that'll move them up a social ladder while also trying to keep close to one another because they do love each other, but they don't know how to separate those two things. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to go that. back and watch it because it, I can't tell if she is saying, Hey, keep him. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm just laying like subtle groundwork to keep Tom in the same position. So that way I can have a relationship with him. Cause she calls him directly after to says to say, is there anything there? Or if she is saying like either way honestly works because I still want a relationship with him and kind of like with Tom's thinking of him saying, I don't know if I want a real relationship, like can they both be in business together yeah. um, and still have a relationship? So even if he did get fired, it would be fine because they could have something that is a little more healthy. And I think they both have such a corrupted not view of each love other. <laughs> that they do view like just being in, they, they view it so transactional that I think this is like the best case for them. Like half holding hands, sitting in, <laughs> sitting in a limo this and is sharing wealth. Ending. Yeah. For them. Um, I do want to say before we go on to Tom and Matson, I just love the line of Tom talking to Shiv. Like, I, I don't know what's happening. Like, maybe he'll fire me at this third dinner we're going to have tonight. And he yeah. says, I'm afraid he'll want to play online games yeah. <laughs> and I'll be running into a wall for hours. Uh, a great Relatable. Line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I also was wondering, like, because Matson does seem like he would like play video games or something. Like, yeah. imagine... Uh, you know, Tom and or Matson inviting Tom over to play to like, hang out PlayStation. Something Greg yeah. has probably done behind <laughs> the scenes. Um, so what did you think of this dinner between Tom and Matson? Was this I, something that rang a bell to anything else we've seen in this show before? Have we seen Logan and Tom talk like this before? Because I feel like we almost got an inside look of what it probably looked like behind the scenes of Tom getting closer to Logan yeah. in season three. We didn't see them have dinner together. We didn't see them talk behind the scenes. We only saw the epic Tom shoulder touch from Logan, you know, at the end of season three with his white, <laughs> his white suit on. Um, but we never saw them really communicate about anything, like any kind of backdoor deals. And so seeing it here was interesting. Almost, almost like getting a peek uh, behind the curtain. Yeah. I think it's interesting because you're, I, you're right. I think about that. Um, but we've seen the siblings, the way that they kind of pitch themselves, right? Matson mm-hmm. says, like, can you basically pitch me? Yes. And the way we see the siblings do that is to, like, basically um, just be hyperbolic and exaggerate yeah. what they can do because... They, they know all the buzzwords, too. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're they're so insecure and they feel like speak. they actually can't do it. Right. And their dad has told them that. And I think... I don't know if they actually could, but uh, that's, like, maybe a different conversation. But I think that is their first go-to. And Tom is just, like, honest. Yes. Which is what Tom... what, what Which is what Logan wants, right? Yeah. And, and Matson wants. So he just says, like, straightforward... I'm a vessel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I listen to the boss. Mm-hmm. And I love when he says, like, I give the viewers of ATM what they want. He says, it's not my place to offer dietary advice. Dietary <laughs> advice. I also, I wrote that down in my notes because it was one of the coolest things I heard in this show. Yeah. He's like, uh, if they want red meat and boiling tar, yeah. like, that's fine. Uh, bon appetit. And, and I think, like, he just tells Matson what he wants to hear, right? Mm-hmm. And, 
and Matson says like, I know everything. And yeah. you know, Matson is doing what the siblings have done, right? This idea right. that he knows everything and, um, and politics are easy, but he actually is just like delusional too. It seems like, right. Well, what just we like, know from him. Well, if everybody remembers, everyone's full of shit. Logan gave the company to Kendall in season one, episode one. And mm-hmm. the show literally starts off with Logan losing control of his body, like peeing in a corner of his bedroom and Marsha helping him get back to bed. Um, and he really takes back the company because he's losing autonomy of his like own body. Yeah, he's like getting existential. Yeah, and I think something's happening to Matson where he is uh, preyed on Ebba and he possibly has like a lawsuit coming with that. And his company is also built on false data. And so like he's having an, a crisis of his own and trying to... And the show has shown us when these big titans of different industries across the world, when they are about to fall, the the best thing you can do is try to be too big to fall. And that's what uh, Logan tries to do by acquiring different companies throughout like the Pierce, show, like yeah. Pierce. And now you have Matson, a figure who is insecure for different reasons than Logan, but nonetheless still a very fragile man who is trying to acquire a company Um that he'll make him too big to fall. Yeah. And, and so, not only does he like that, he's not threatened by Tom, right? Right. Tom will be his pain sponge, mm-hmm. but he also, uh, is like, uh, concerned with the idea that he's attracted to Shiv and which is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Which I, I wish we would have mentioned earlier on the show. Cause I thought they were going to bring this up, which is that they kept putting Matson and Shiv in these very tight corridors of yeah. them, like talking like about the coat closet. Yes. Yeah. And obviously, uh, Skarsgård is a very large individual and like, but they also had him like hunch over her a Mm -hmm. lot of times, almost looking a little bit like a predator. And that was very uncomfortable to watch. And I knew that they were going to try to bring up this, like this false idea of sexual attraction when really Matson is insecure because he doesn't know how to communicate with women because he, I mean, he doesn't look at them as equals. Yeah. And so that's what that, I think that's how I read that scene when like Matson is telling Tom that I think your wife is attractive and we want to have sex. I think he's doing two things. He he's deflecting on the insecurity he feels about a woman being more uh ready for that position of running the company than he is. Mm-hmm. And also he's testing how submissive Tom yeah. is willing to be. Yeah, I I thought that too. But I love um I I well not love. I I love it for Tom's character arc, but it's actually so sad when Tom says what his business philosophy is yeah that he grinds i grind because i worry yeah i worry all night about everything and i have an excess and vigilance yes a high tolerance for pain and physical discomfort because of basically everything that he has gone through uh-huh. to to get to the top i mean tom is still a terrible person yeah um but it was it was like really tragic to hear him talk about like him not being able to sleep the, yeah. the tired Tom um, and just being at the, the whim like of the Roy's. Yeah. I mean, when you listen to people as we get older and people become more successful in different private industries and you listen to people explain their jobs and they stop wanting to after a while and they instead explain the kind of work they're doing um, to move up a ladder. That is a really accurate representation of what I see as I'm getting older now mm. and listening to like my peers or friends explain their jobs. Uh, it's just that I'm very tired. I am <laughs> uncomfortable by a lot of the things that I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm making a lot of money and I'm becoming more and more powerful every yeah, year. So like, I don't know how to deal with these like contradictory feelings. Yeah. These conflicting ideas of like ethics or the idea I had for my life. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that's why this show is so great, even though these are really heightened like characters mm-hmm. and wealth that a lot of people will never touch in their lifetimes. Yeah. I still think that the ideas of, 
the broken dynamics of relationships and families and the idea of what you're willing to ethically sacrifice like in your life in order to move up the ladder is something that Tom kind of represents as this someone who's like outside of this generational wealth, but is Mm -hmm. still like within the system. And again, we've been talking about all, all season, all series that Jesse Armstrong is satirizing our idea of of how we are raised by capitalism. Yes. Like the yeah. kind of like game that we are all playing in and the the siblings themselves, you know, are raised by Logan, but they are raised by this system and are playing within the system. That's how they perceive their value. Yeah, and then on top of that, the more meta satire which is critiquing audiences for forgiving these characters uh too much. Right. Which um, we'll talk about at, which at the we're going to talk here, about at the end for sure. But so we have Logan too. Mm-hmm. Except this time he's sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. I actually think Matson met that. Meant that. After everything he bullshitted on, that was like I, was I believed the, it. Because looking, honestly, yeah. I believe it. So like I'm yeah. like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Matthew McFadden. Looking for a partner. Um or sorry, not for a partner, looking for a front man. So then we have yeah. this really interesting thing here. I was so interested in this all along. Like how Tom and Greg would end? Would there be a breakup? Mm-hmm. Um, would, would someone like uh, take someone under their someone else? wing? Yes. Yeah, like or a, what, what is going to happen with Tom and Greg? One of our like most important relationships. And mm-hmm. when Tom is offered the CEO position, he doesn't tell Greg. Did you think that was because he didn't trust Greg in that moment? Uh, I definitely think he doesn't. I mean, what was the hunt? The hunting episode where oh, yeah. Tom says, "Greg, don't trust anyone, man." Yeah. Um, and I think we learned that also in episode eight. Uh, at the election night where uh, Tom is telling Greg to just use information, basically become the cloud, become a data center. Oh, to smash a bottle of wine in someone's face. Right. And I I think that's the same thing Tom's doing. And I think he just is knowing to withhold. He knows when to withhold information from other people. Uh, And that's something he's learned from being the loser so much in this show and being the person that has lost on power a lot of times. Um, And he knows when to pick his moments. And I don't think he was ready to tell Greg about that because he can't fully trust Greg. Yeah. So I I thought that too, like he wanted Greg to be on his team ultimately. That's what I saw, but he, he didn't think that he could trust Greg, um, to not tell people, Yeah, which was really interesting to me because I was like, well, why would he want to take him along? But I think in the end we know it's, it's love. So (laughs) then we have Greg call calling Kendall. Right. And we have this amazing moment where he goes up to Oscar and and Matson getting a drink and uses the translation app to figure out that they are talking about how they're going to tell Shiv that she's fired. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's got some CIA agent vibes, Greg, yeah. doesn't he? <laughs> With technology. Very, very yeah. careful. Um, how did you like the lines of uh, Greg telling Kendall, I have knowledge to take out solar systems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, if I give you something incredible, will you give me something amazing? Yeah, and Kendall's like, okay, like, sure, tell man. me what you want. Like, what, yeah. what do you want? And I think that is similar to when Logan and, and Greg meet. Uh, you know, when yes. Logan invites him over for a drink and makes him chug the whole <laughs> like whiskey the or Jack whatever. And Coke, yeah. yeah. Uh, he says like, what do you want? Just like kind of spit it out. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what Kendall's doing here. And I don't know if you can even trust Kendall totally. Yeah. Um, but I, I loved Greg calling because he's panicking and because Greg ultimately, this is probably the bigger hit is like, Greg doesn't trust that Tom can take him there. Yeah. Well, I think he would have told... I think if he knew Tom was the CEO, he would not have called Kendall. I agree. Yeah, I think he would have kept that under wraps. He would have worked under Tom's wing. I think he's just doing what Jerry told Roman and the other kids, which is like he's playing his interest. Always work within your best interest, yeah. Right, and that's all he's doing. Um, Yeah. 
And I think he's learned throughout all these seasons that the only thing he has is a commodity is information. Uh, but he, he also has nepotism, which is why he got through the door in the first place. That's true. And so uh, he, a, the quad squad or whatever yeah. he calls it, the Roy's and him. Um, and I think we all have to remember that while Tom does love Greg and we can play into that for sure. And I think it's fun too, because Matthew McFadden and, uh, I'm forgetting who plays Nicholas Greg. Braun. Thank you. Nicholas Braun. They have great chemistry together. Uh, something that we are forgetting is that what Greg has is the, the biggest amount of leverage on Tom, which is cruise lines. Um, and so it makes sense also That's true. strategically to keep Greg under his wing, yeah. which I do think people have kind of forgotten about, which is Greg has all that information on Tom. Well, I think Tom understands like, and values Greg for being this like data mine, like the cloud. Oh like yeah. Been saying. He knows he's talented. The siblings feel like who Reaper. cares about Greg? We're not going to talk to Greg. Like hang up. Yeah. And he fired those people. Like he, like he knows he'll do his bidding, which yeah. is what Matson wants from Tom. So it is a funny hierarchy. That is yeah. very true to real life too, which is scary. Yeah. So. Okay. So let's go to Barbados where the kids are. At least that's where Mark Mylod said they were shooting. This has to be like our funny award when we give out awards. This, is, this was the funniest part of this episode. That is a very tragic episode. This is the most fun I have. I, in have, the 90 I would have it in a different category. So really? yeah, wow. we'll, okay. we'll talk well, about it on that deep dive, but I love when they go to mom's house and I love that Caroline is just trying to convince them to come there. Not because she wants like an air clear after the father's funeral or not because she wants them to like actually hash it out and have no battle talk at her house, Yeah, but because she wants Peter and his friend, Jonathan or something from Monaco to yeah. pitch them and shark tank them. This like idea is <laughs> so funny. Like the, the day or so after their, their dad dies. <laughs> yeah, it is. It feels right. Yeah. I do think she, there was a part of her, maybe it's just constantly the show just messing with us, but there was like, there's a part of this mom that does want to spend time with these kids because you can't help but wonder. I think it's really easy to hate on uh, Caroline I yeah. think it's really simple to yeah, be you like, see people a, a lot call of times, her the more evil Logan yeah, and I, stuff which like I that. don't agree with. Yeah. No, it's like this woman obviously like went through the, the worst uh, marriage anybody could go through. She's married to uh, what Ewan calls like the modern day Hitler. Like he's yeah. maybe even worse. So I think she's probably gone through things we haven't seen. It's how I think of Rava. We can only imagine what Rava went through with like coked up Kendall. Yeah. Like at his worst. We really don't know because I think when we first saw Kendall in season one, he had been sober for a few years, it seemed. But the way Rava talked to him about his private life was that like he was doing coke on kids' iPads. Or like doubts his sobriety. It's when we're first introduced to Kendall, he's our main character. So our initial yeah, thing is to, to think like, oh, okay, well, he isn't actually relapsing. So why is yeah. she thinking this? But obviously there's so much history there. Yeah, we talked a lot about that when we talked about the Tom and Shiv breakup scene. Mm -hmm. We can only imagine the the things that Rava went through with Kendall, especially seeing him be like verbally abusive in public right. and threatening to have them like run him over and just like very and, yeah. And something we know too is that Caroline, I think, lost custody of the kids to Logan, and he and Logan in return paid her a ton of money. Yeah. It seems like, and that is basically what what we know Kendall is doing to Rava. Yeah, from last. I still episode. wouldn't say that she's like you know. Uh, a great parent um, by any means, but I do think no. what you're saying no. is, is <laughs> yeah. interesting that I do see like all of these characters, which makes them tragic mm -hmm. um, as far as the siblings and Caroline, they want connection mm -hmm. and they don't know how to follow through they with don't it know how to or connect. how to make, yeah, how to be real with one another. And I think the, the idea of them being full of shit or even what Roman says at the end, like that is something that Logan has like 
taught them or yeah. injected um, in in the blood line. Totally. So there is that like tension at this dinner table between them or when they're all hanging out. I did like to see kind of this this interesting element of Shiv like protecting Roman from Kendall. It was also something we hadn't seen before. Like Shiv was talking to Kendall as if he was the abuser, like almost like he was Logan, the way he was coming at Roman as soon as he walked like, oh, Romy, where yeah. are you? It is kind of scary. Like the way Kendall's walking around Caroline's house searching for Roman. Which did you catch that that happened in the first episode of the uh, first this episode season? of Romy. the season? Romy. Yeah. And yeah. I think in this one, it was like a more serious Romy. You, like I'm not playing anymore. Well, do yeah. you think Jesse Armstrong wrote that into the script? Like, cause you know how he, he said, oh, he, definitely. It's literally the same line. Well, I'm saying like, cause he's talked about how he's already written the lore of what these kids went through as children. Mm-hmm. of what the siblings have and also what's happened to them after the fact he already has like like he, happened after this he has episode, that yeah he has all that figured out so do you think that like when kendall was a kid and he used to lock roman up that he would like search for him around the house and be like romy i don't know if that's, that's where like my <laughs> mind like was going deep lore. It, well it was like I was just saying that pretty I think, scary watching him go through the room yeah i mean no he is scary, like and i think i think we have a lot of context especially when they're in the kitchen together mm-hmm. um making their uh shake for a king or their meal yes. for a king yep we'll get to that and there's a lot of context <laughs> there and how they have treated each other that's led to this moment but what i just thought of the the calling roman when he's walking in a house was a idea of an episode one they're together there's this illusion of connection and love and uh, a healthy dynamic Mm -hmm. but in the last one they know that ultimately they've been taught to use vulnerability for leverage yep and so it was kind of like a bookend of that with the siblings and just we're on the same page that was like a week and a half ago (laughs) which is nuts (laughs) y'all yeah um, but yeah, this was a, I really liked this trip to see mom because we get that funny dinner of what you're talking about with Peter and the pitch. But I think we should probably talk about the fact that Shiv finds out that she's not going to be the CEO yeah. and then they decide to like team up and become the evil Avengers. Well, for, even like, before minutes. that, I think it was a good conversation when, you know, Ken has like a rum punch and the siblings are all sitting around like at the end of the day, it's the sun's going down. Yeah. Shiv says like, stop rewriting the situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, before she even finds out right mm-hmm. about the CEO, I forgot she says this. that you grabbed the crown and pushed me out. She's like, yeah. let's just be real about it. And now you're losing to me and Matson. So just deal with it. Yeah. And, and she's right. Right. right? And, the, and I think that's why we get the decision at the end that they, they've been pushing her out the whole time. And yeah. she's deciding to do what, uh, again, like a self uh, preservation, uh, her final decision. So, and then, she's not being held to the same standard. They're like not as forgiving as she is to them. Like with her pushing them out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's so true. The double standard uh, that I, they don't have to explicitly say. It's just there. Yeah. And so, okay, let's talk about when she finds out. Because it's kind of like really intense. It's pretty brutal. You know how devastating like it is by the way. The phone, yeah. yeah. But by the way, like Kendall and Roman are like genuinely like sad knowing what's happening and knowing Shiv is embarrassed because yeah. she's like in magazines and people think she's finally going to run this company. And then she looks at the news, the uh, the email, the press release the that press Carolina sent her, and it's the XXX, XXX in brackets yeah. instead of her name. Yeah. Tough. I mean, Kendall's been there. I mean, I think, I think he says that literally like he knows how that, <laughs> how that feels, yeah. uh, but I know it's different, but still it's, it is interesting. I love that she comes out like real strong and, and is like, we're going to have to fucking kill him like kill Matson. And I was, oh, saying, yeah. I was like, I know this isn't going to happen, but I hope this evil Avengers thing happens for like as long as it can. Cause I love this idea of the three siblings going to kill the Swede. I just thought that was like a cool premise. Yeah. 
It was like uh, the minute that they started being on the same team, I knew it was it was not going to pan Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Right? Like, but there had to be a part that, of you, though. But like, we have that moment. Yeah. It? It's the same as them in the car. Yeah. Right? Kendall handed me the shotgun. Them kind of getting giddy about taking over. That would have been season five if there was a season five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when they, you said that too, when they stepped off the plane, they're all on their own phone it was call. Sick. <laughs> and they're all like business, like, yeah. um, like Roy child. And yeah. yeah. You were like, this could have been a whole season. I totally agree. But I think even before Different that, show. when they're kind of, uh, acting like kids, um, like we saw in the rowboat, mm-hmm. um, after Shiv, during Shiv's wedding, yeah. we have all these like moments, uh, or on the yacht where they're like, Oh, do we talk about our feelings? <laughs> Should we talk about and, our feelings? <laughs> and we have it here again, the kind of final death of their relationship with each other. Um, at, at least in my lore, I think that it's like really, it was tragic to me to see them like make that smoothie and like uh, laugh mm-hmm. about the the knobbies that Peter doesn't like. <laughs> Caroline, Jonathan's sleeping. <laughs> Sorry, Peter. <laughs> Meal fit for a king. Yeah, they're just it's so funny. But they're also I love that Caroline just like freezes the bread ends and, yeah. and there's no food in the house, which we obviously have context from times they've been in their mom's house. There's like just you know, ranch dressing and like hot sauce and, yeah, like, yeah. Old, and like expired pickles and, and things like that. Um, and they've probably done this before. It's like a ritual for, uh, for Kendall to, to drink this like disgusting thing that like, you know, I don't know if you've done that at a sleepover before yeah, when you're sure. younger. Yeah. But the, like the, I don't oh, know. No, sorry. I, I've never done it, but I've seen that in movies before. Oh, okay. I didn't actually know that was a real thing. There's a film called Jack, I believe with Robin Williams where, they all get in like this treehouse. Have you seen Jack where yeah, he's like a, a long yeah. time ago? Uh, so I don't know. That was a hard movie to try to explain. I was about to explain that movie. That's a weird <laughs> ass plot. But I remember really loving that movie as a kid, but they do that. And that's what it reminded me of before we go any further. Cause I know we're about to probably get into the kind of the third act of this episode. I do want to mention when they go to the beach and oh, the Kendall swims out to the water, Kendall. the water is just a big symbol of this show um roman is telling shiv they're joking they're kind of imitating kendall joking about murdering him which is kind of ironic considering yeah. what shiv does at the end but roman says i don't think dad wanted to give the this position to any of us yeah um and i thought that was almost like a a weird undercurrent of this whole show that we all knew all along but we all want to be entertained because that's what television's about <laughs> <laughs> and movies to a certain extent um so i think it was just kind of funny to see somebody just verbalize that finally and and mm-hmm. say it that but really like logan mean it yeah too. he really yeah. did mean it i don't think logan like was going to give us this, this job ever um and i think even shiv having that realization but kendall just being naive and floating on yeah, yeah floating on water yeah. yeah uh yeah i just i, I love the image I, I really like that scene maybe we can come back to that in our deep dive yeah. I, and I think the, the biggest thing with that is like before they even have that conversation on the beach and come to the, not even come to the realization, I'm sure they've had it like in the back of their mind, but they all also kind of hashed out this thing that they've been using as a chess move or as a weapon. Like dad promised me this dad promised me this. Oh, well he said this and using their, their dad as like a weapon. Yeah. They finally are kind of like talking about, uh, the sad part of that where Ken says before this, like he promised me, the company when I was seven in a candy store, mm-hmm. like it was so messed up that he did that. And, and now I've been kind of psychologically reeling from that all the time. Honestly, the show is like lies. My dad told me, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and I think like Shiv was like, you know, it was me at one point. Roman said it was me at one point. Yeah. They're just all like grappling with the idea that their dad was actually like, 
really unhealthy. The Kendall one got me the most. Yeah. I mean, it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. And because he says like, basically when he says later that he's a cog that can only fit this machine, it's because he's convinced himself so much. And his dad has been like whispering poison into his ear Since he was that seven. he is this business psycho yeah. uh, and maybe other people are w- more well-adjusted, even though I don't necessarily think that about Roman. Well, um, I think it I don't does. Know if anyone's well-adjusted, but I think he says you crying at our dad's funeral maybe makes you a good person. Yeah. I actually think me he taking mean- that as a business opportunity. Maybe I'm the psycho. Yeah. And he's saying, I think it's killing me a little bit uh, or something like that. So, and then of course, like when, you know, <laughs> Kendall voices that dad told him the company was the company was his at seven. He promised it to me and it's really messed up. He did that. And Roman walks away saying Pixar didn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then we have, you know, the the siblings like swim up to him and that like kind of sweet moment um, where they say like, we anoint anoint you. you. It's this like cursed haunted house, but yeah. Show us those goddamn teeth. Yeah. (laughs) And honestly seeing Kendall smile was like brutal. You know, um, we haven't seen that smile, I think, since he saw his family dancing um, at the wedding at the end of season one, right after he kind of came home from uh, the car crash. Yeah, those are the two smiles that stand out to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I have to think, think like if we've seen that any other time, these like tragic Kendall smiles. Well, we've seen him obviously laugh or smile on the show, but there are these like both smiles feel like a part of him just died. Yeah. And he is that's, that's a good way to put it. almost like laughing um, or smiling. So it, it is uncomfortable. Yeah. He's had big Joker vibes this, oh, this for sure. whole season. Yeah. I mean, so have, so is Roman or a few other siblings, but especially Kendall. Yeah. Um, okay. We're in the end game now. Yeah. <laughs> I th- well, maybe we should talk about the detour that we take to Logan's to apartment. Connor's. To Connor's. Yeah. <laughs> so this was kind of a farewell to Connor um, and also a little bit of a farewell to the executive team via this like virtual video of Logan, I guess. Yeah. I didn't know who was taking the video. I didn't understand a virtual dinner with dad. Okay. Yeah. I just thought it was like, okay, a home video. Yeah. I just didn't know who was filming. I don't know who was filming. I, I thought it was interesting to see Logan in a comfortable place and like playing games. Yeah. He wasn't feeling like he's this like father figure, right? Yeah. He was with or his CEO. peers. Yeah. He yeah. was just hanging out with people. He all, he pays. Yeah. Which or, I found was fascinating too. Yeah. Well, but I think that Frank and, and Carl and Jerry, I mean, they all said uh, s- sort of, I mean, Carl was like wobbly on it, but they said they were glad that he died. Right. Um, there was really, I guess so. Yeah, there was at least relief. Do we think that was happening during the six months that uh, the siblings weren't seeing Logan? Oh, yeah. Between season three and season four. Yeah. Oh, because Carrie's there. You're right. So that must have been happening during that time. And Connor didn't want to cut off ties with him. Right. And I think he said that. And I think because Connor's never been in the running for to, you know, take over the company. Yeah. He was able. We see it there actually have a relationship with his dad that the siblings completely did not have. Right. Yeah. So that was sad. And it was sad seeing the the Roy siblings watch this video of their father, almost like a father they'll never know because yeah, it seems like exactly. they really didn't know, see that side of him before he died. Um, and there's just this whole funny element to this like side quest they're on, which is what I think uh, Connor calls the great reallocation. Uh, <laughs> Our event planner. Right. He. That's what I'm saying. He did such a good job. It was funny seeing Shiv like nickname or, or abbreviate all these things that yeah. Connor is planning. But he has all these tiers of who's allowed to get something and who isn't yeah. or auction off things. He, so. he did the first uh, you know, round by himself. I thought he was going to say him. I think you said Marsha at one point when we were watching Oh, yeah. Together. I was wondering if him and Marsha were the first round. Yeah. So 
but yeah, I love how he has different colored stickers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it just, again, reminded me of the Reckney ball kind of planning yeah, yeah. that he did in season one. And then, you know, we get the stickers come back, obviously. But the, the biggest thing here besides that, like, really emotional moment of the siblings mm-hmm. and their their final moment together is that Willa and Connor, we realize that they actually won't work out even sooner than maybe we thought. Yeah, I think they do kind of plant the seed for that. And that's something we knew was coming. Yeah. And then obviously we have the Shiv and Tom conversation, and which is interesting too, because their relationship go. is something that like is we see is deeper than just transactional business. Like there is this emotional um, piece of they actually care about each other because Shiv um, says that it's not me. Mm -hmm. Right. And Tom (laughs) starts saying, Oh, well like, you know, playing dumb. Yeah. Maybe you should should just, yeah. And she starts to see that something's up. You see the wheels turning. And he doesn't have to tell her in that moment. Right. Um, I mean, he says like, you should know it's me. So it's kind of, it's, it's, but it gives them the opportunity to like bit. then get ready and and they were going to have the votes, you know what I mean? To really plan to get those seven votes. Yeah. And Tom really didn't have to tell her. I think it's two things. I think it is in a, just like everything with Tom. It's an emotional move mm-hmm. and a business move. And I don't think Shiv honestly picks that up until she's looking at her brother across from her in the shareholder meeting where she realizes that she can get the money from the sale and also have a hand on the crown. Yeah. Which is going to be worn by Tom sort yeah. of with, with Matson on top of him. <laughs> yeah. I th- and I think, I mean, so maybe you're right. Like Tom, maybe that was a, of course a in peace the moment, offering sort of, I it think was, it, sort but of I think was. it was also, I think it may have been both, right? It was like, he was a, like, you would have done the same thing. Yeah. He was like, you would have done the same thing if you were in my you position. You have done the same thing. basically. Yeah. yeah. But also this is something where I think he kind of, you know, they have a twisted relationship. He did kind of want to, not hurt her, but well, sort of. He, right? She like has to say, said that you're hey, an empty like, suit. You only have this job yeah. because you're married to me. You're just trying to use me as a way up and you don't actually have bring any skills to the table. And then she doesn't get the job because not because Shiv isn't qualified. Uh, well, no one's really qualified on the show to be straightforward. Yeah. But in terms of relative to all of the crazy psychotic men around her, she definitely seems like one of the most qualified people. And uh, Tom is kind of rubbing it in a little bit. Yeah. Like you said, I'm just a suit. She, I think she literally says it in that moment. You're just a suit. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, I might be a dry cleaner suit guy, but like, I'm also, you know, the CEO of Waystar. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what comes through and, and not a lot of words. Um, but what I wanted to mention here was the killer music they bring back from Kendall's theme yes, song. Right after he talks to Hugo at the funeral when yes. Logan gets carried off. Yeah. yeah. She storms off and she just says like, we've been fucked by the dry cleaner. It's Tom. Yeah. And that, Oh my God, that, that music, we forgot to play it last episode for any of the people who were listening. Oh yeah. On um, um, to that. But my yeah, bad. those really intense, like almost villainous violins or yeah. Villain is so violins. Good. I'm sure Bertel would like that. <laughs> it's, it's just, it, I mean, obviously the score is amazing, but yeah. you really feel it. And, and the camera work of shooting her, like, you know, walking towards her mm-hmm. brothers to be like, let's go, let's do this. Um, especially because, you know, she is going to change her mind at the end of this is really, I, it's just amazing. Yeah. I, and I think, uh, then we go to obviously yeah, like Tom's like, how'd you find out? Uh, just Craig. Yeah. So, the siblings going to planning and Greg. Yeah. So, uh, Greg, you just want to meet me in the bathroom real quick. Yeah, tactical business conversation. As soon as he said that, I was like, oh, Tom's going to slap Greg. Like, that's immediately what first came to mind. Because I think I said last episode, we might see some physical altercations. Well, you said, like, between Kendall, especially. Yeah, well, Kendall specifically because of the through line. Which of I didn't agree with. I did not see that coming. I think there's been a uh, an uh, 
overwriting of Kendall sticking up for his siblings when he's full of shit. Mm. Just like how he talks about how he's doing everything to take control of the media company for his family. Six continents. Right. On Come his on, back. Rava, don't you understand what this <laughs> man is going through? Uh, so when he's been protecting uh, Roman, the thing he could have done to protect Roman all along from from Logan is to get Roman and him away from the company. And so every like when Logan struck, Roman and whatever season that was season three or I don't know. Yeah. It was when they were like the dinosaur call was said by Shiv on, on stage. And that was right. when they did the, we here for you yeah. retreat. So I think that was season two. Cause oh, Ray okay. Jarrell is there. Yeah. Yeah. Season two. So when that happens and Kendall says, Hey, like you don't do that. Don't touch him. Or even when like Tom uh, says something rude to Shiv in episode eight and, and he says like, watch it, Tom, there is a sense of just kind of like performing that you actually care about your siblings instead of doing the obvious thing, which is uh, leaving the company with your siblings. And so I just figured they're going to continue a through line of Kendall posturing that he's a good person and actually put his hands on his siblings. And he did. Like he's going to crack in the same way that, that Logan, that Logan does. does. Yeah, yeah. Because he's weak too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think what going back to Tom and Greg real quick though, because that's, I mean, I think both of the like physical fight scenes um, were really brutal to watch. Tough like, to watch. Like genuinely like just sad between Tom and Greg because of their r- relationship. And um, I mean, they still have like toxic dynamics. And also Greg are- didn't really do anything wrong because Greg didn't know about Tom. I'm not sticking up for these characters, but again, relative to the evil hierarchy presented in succession. Greg, yeah, he's just Greg trying is kind of innocent sure in this bathroom. He's secure, yeah, he's like, bro, yeah. oh, I didn't know you're gonna he didn't even say anything because he doesn't know why he's getting hit. Well, we know like foot soul Tom is like still a bad person in Tom, yeah. you know. So so yeah, but I and I think that he was upset that Greg like went against him and didn't trust him. And he yeah. is um I mean, we've seen Tom like act like this before in previous seasons, but it was still like genuinely tough to watch and just really sad. Mm-hmm. But I think like and we'll talk more about the siblings. That was even more brutal for me. But then we have, you know, Tom call Matson and say like, Hey, we have a problem. Like Shiv knows. And, Here we go. And then we have scars guard, just bust in the door thinking like, what, this is a leadership. Wake up zombies. Wake like, up zombies. Like, I want to see, see, see phones. He's like, where's Emma? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just like sitting in the corner. Like yeah. what? Um, and then we have Scarsgard the siblings, you know, walking to Waystar. Like they own the place. Carolina's actually is like, okay, well maybe, you know, cause it, it seems like they do have the votes. Yeah. Um, she's like, Hey, like just going to shoot my shot. Let's get rid of Hugo. And she tells kind Shiv, of like a thorn in the my only side. woman she can like kind of turn to and be like, yeah. Hey, this guy, we don't know anything about Hugo, the way he <laughs> talks to, to, uh, Carolina, but it obviously must not be great. Yeah. And then, and then we have Frank running, which yeah. is like one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite shots in succession. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen Frank run that fast. <laughs> um, and then it's that kind of like mockumentary bit that just makes the show feel like evil. The office yeah. uh, that I love. Yeah. And then we have like, Kendall, who is seeing Jerry like cut her deal basically yeah. to to get her her eye watering sums, and that's when Roman kind of cracks, and we see. And does the Kendall know what's foundation. going on with that? I we we've talked about this a few times. Know. I don't yeah. think Kendall knows that Roman and Jerry and the harassment has been happening. It well, doesn't yeah, seem he like he knows. He, so he wasn't around for that. I don't think. I know that we know that Shiv knows. She was literally at the table when it happened. Right. Logan pulls Roman into the other room and says, "Hey, I think that we should fire Jerry." Asks Shiv, then pulls her in and says, "Did you know about this?" Okay. And Shiv says, "Yeah, like everyone knows about this." But I, but Kendall wasn't in the company at that point. Remember, they were like trying to get him. Yeah, he was he doing can, his like he's speaker. He's putting speakers yeah, up and ruining exactly. Shiv's press conference. Yeah. So I think. I, I we'll talk about this at the end know. of the episode because again it goes to my big plot hole which is the Ebba 
Matson Roman Jerry thing that was never fully connected. Uh, gotcha. So I'll, I'll get to that a little bit. So, later. but this is where we see like kind of the foundation, um, the thin foundation crack of the siblings, mm-hmm. and we go into like the the shareholder meeting. Yeah, but do you want to talk about Roman and Kendall hugging first? Oh yeah, in the office before yeah. they go in. Yeah, sure. How did you read that? Because I was kind of confused. Um, I mean. Roman is like breaking down. He doesn't want to see Jerry. And I think that is reflection of who he has been for these four seasons, mm-hmm. or I guess these this year or two in his life. Um, because really, this is a chapter of his life. I'm sure he's going to look back on and be like, yeah, I was a piece of shit during that time. or I was a terrible, terrible person. And Kendall is trying to get him to go to the, the meeting to actually make the vote because of the, the look, the optics. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So I think Kendall needs him in that meeting. And I think Roman doesn't want to go because he's uh, done terrible things. Um, and there is a moment of, are you thinking, is Kendall hurting Roman because that's he what, wants yeah, him to well, come that's what I, to the meeting? Or I think that's on the surface. Yeah, well, it, it was like strange because it, I felt like, yes, Kendall was hugging him. But I also think Kendall was like understanding that he was hurting him, which was really strange to me. Um, and maybe this like twisted idea of connection that we have seen Roman go through that he like needs pain to feel connection. Yeah. 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 He he's had a, a, a very tough seems like childhood and yeah. background. And I think a lot of things are implied with uh, a lot of his romantic partners that he struggles with connection and, or even explicitly said sometimes, or even just like a hug from his siblings, like right. physical connection. He always makes a he's joke like, out of everything. Like, get off. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, thanks. Bye. Right. And so I think, um, what we've learned about Roman as he spiraled out these past three weeks is he goes to get kicked from other people. Mm-hmm. He tries to get Connor to kick him. It doesn't work. And I think in this episode, he even Connor? tries. Yeah. After uh, Jerry tells Roman that I'm going to sue you if you don't let me like, if you oh, don't pay me a yeah. bunch of money during the tailgate party, when he goes yeah. to yell at Connor about how no Tell one, everyone he's thinks he's a joke. Thinks you're yeah. a joke. Oh man, that was brutal. Yeah, and then he uh, he does it again later on with the whole... He kind of doubles down and tries to elect a fascist as president with Mencken. And in this episode, he even tries to do it with Kendall too. It's almost like it is the only way he can explore his emotions because he is stunted. Um, and so I think I viewed this hugging scene as Kendall understanding all these things about his brother and hugging him because he does need him in that meeting. And I do think Kendall cares about Roman mm-hmm. from what we've known in, in their relationship. Uh and I also think Roman is pulling away and also pushing harder on Kendall. And I think the blood, if anything, from Armstrong, because this is a Shakespeare guy, he's just trying to use that blood as, as a symbol um, that when Roman finally feels connection, he bleeds. Yeah. Uh, and that's it yeah, is that really tragic, uh, even if it's on the nose. And I do think that that is probably the most confusing shot that we've seen in succession in a long time. Yeah. yeah. That's left up for interpretation. Yeah. And then we go into the meeting. Mm-hmm. So I think we, we have like everyone sitting around. And also before that, we have Stewie come in. Um, to Wish talk we got to more Ken. Stewie this season. I know. I didn't get yeah. my living plus joke. Um, yes. Stewie. I thought it was yeah. going to happen. It didn't. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I'm just uh, glad to have seen Stewie in the last episode. Yeah. And we, we have everyone around the table. Frank uh, is like the chair. And I, I was going to say this a couple episodes ago, but I did say that like, okay, Kendall always relies on Frank. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying like, oh, I think Frank should be in our ranking or like he was in the honorable mentions mm-hmm. um, because he is someone who is like a, a second to Kendall. Mm-hmm. But something I forgot to mention like throughout this season is that while Frank is sort of like in the mix always with Kendall, we usually see Frank kind of do something that 
isn't always sticking with Kendall, right? Like he, um, remember in the bear hug episode when they're printing the thing <laughs> and Jess has to go get it from like right. the random Wi-Fi printer, Stewie and Kendall are trying to do the bear hug with dad mm-hmm. and Kendall that morning. Cause he just can't like, he calls it Frank. to himself. No, he, he walks with Frank. Uh-oh. Um, and he says like, Hey, this is going to happen. Do you, what do these people think about me? Remember? Oh, and then Frank called his friends. That's and what then it was. Fra- yeah, That's and right. then Frank said something, and that was the reason. Like Sandy calls them and says, "Hey, we have to do this this morning on yeah. your sister's wedding because someone told someone, and we don't want it to get out, so Logan can create an opposition." And we just know Kendall loves affirmation, so yeah. he like needs to so tell people right away. So he wants to tell his godfather Frank. Yeah, yeah, and so we see it again. I just wanted to note it because it's interesting. That no, it's, Frank a, it's a good point. Is not on Team Kendall. He even though he, like, even though Kendall told Frank in the closet like, yeah. three episodes ago what <laughs> yeah. his plan was, one and we kind of knew when even though it was kind of a badass Kendall moment in his mind, like from his <laughs> protagonist complex, yeah. we knew that Frank was just going to use this against yeah, him. Yeah, well, I think, I don't know if Frank is like actively like, I'm going to try to be with Matson. He's just like thinking, yeah. I don't really trust that Kendall can do this. Who's going to give me the, the most golden of parachutes? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what his, <laughs> as Carl, he's hoping oh for. God. So, so then we're in that room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know actually what Frank was going to vote though. So yeah. he was like, we are, I'm going to, I can't vote against this. It's a good deal mm-hmm. and it will secure my golden parachute. And then we see Kendall stand up and give this like weird speech. And yeah. I wonder if that was like also a moment where Shiv was like, wait, like woke up and came to reality. Um, in that I saw my brother give this like speech and give a show at the funeral. So I think there this a- is like kind of how he actually would be in a room. I think there were a few moments. I think there was when Kendall sat in Logan's chair yeah, the, that was, the siblings definitely did not like didn't that. Didn't appreciate that. Yeah. Um, he puts his foot up, feet up on the desk. Maybe that was like the second thing. He got too comfortable too right. quickly. And I honestly think Kendall just seemed out of his league in trying to explain to the shareholders why they shouldn't take on this Gojo acquisition. Like he did not explain it well. And, and it, yeah, he was like, you have this uh, booklet in front of you. Yeah. yeah. And um, it I wasn't think, scary like his dad and what I think Roman and Shiv would be used to seeing. Or at least it wasn't putting on the front of of being intimidating, which you might need in those kind of positions um, that you need to at least lie about how scary you are. And Kendall instead comes off as uh, a little bit of a joke. And I think Shiv knows that or picked up on that and was like, I'm not going to let my brother do this. And plus, I think it was also hitting her at the same time that Tom, I have that connection. These guys don't. Like, yeah. I'm in this company. I'm in the acquisition. So I have... I have my hand on the crown and I get a lot of money, billions of dollars from this, this acquisition too. Yeah. So it's kind of best case scenario for her business interests and uh, it's just okay for her emotional interest. Yeah. So then when we get to her vote, because we, uh, I just rewatched that. So I didn't, uh, we like jumped off the couch, but I did go back just to see that, like literally the boardroom and they cut to her. Um, yeah, there, she was staring at Kendall. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't notice it the first time that like it went through it, but she was kind of processing this leaves the room. And then we have, I think, I think maybe one of the most brutal scenes in succession. I felt like I couldn't watch them like physically fight uh, before even that happens. I just wanted to mention, cause I'm going to forget and we'll get to that because it's the most important moment of the show is the three siblings losing it in front of everyone, <laughs> everyone who works there. Yeah. Um, Roman votes for Kendall. Yeah. And Kendall goes, that's fucking right. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you did it the that. last time. You better well, be that's smelling your armpit, Romulus. Right. Yeah. In season one, Roman doesn't vote for him. And I just love yeah. seeing Kendall, <laughs> Kendall finally like voice this frustration he's had with Roman for, yeah. since that point in time. But okay, let's let's talk about Shiv shiving Kendall. Yeah. Um, so Ken, it's, I mean, actually maybe, yeah, we'll, we'll back up before the actual physical altercation. Yeah. Kendall is like yelling like, you know, this doesn't make any logical sense. Like, yes, I don't even believe you because she says that he can't run the company and she doesn't think he can do it. Yeah. And there's this weird dynamic um, between them because I think, you know, like if any of the siblings were to end up in the chair, then that could be like, right. 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 If someone said you can't do this. Yeah. Right? Because we've seen all, all season, they're just always like posturing mm-hmm. and none of them really have like experience. So we've seen no, um, maybe yeah. Kendall the most, which is what he says. Like, it has to be me. Um, but in that moment, like when she says that to him, they kind of revert to what we saw just earlier in the episode at their mom's house because she kind of smiles when when she says it. Yeah. Um, she says it seriously. There's an envy. There is, there is yeah. a kind of like, it should have never been you and it should have been me. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that's a layer. Okay. They're siblings. And so obviously that's a layer. Uh, I don't want to talk though. I don't want to talk about this as like, even though I joked about Shiv shiving Kendall, mm-hmm. it's not just like purely a backstab and she's getting back at her brother. There's a lot of layers to this. So I do, but I do think the first layer is this kind of like sibling jealousy. Yeah. of kind of like I was dad's favorite. I wanted to be, you know, the new dad. Yeah, you're not the you're not the best sibling. You're yeah. not the main one. Or I'm the eldest says. boy. Yeah. Oh my god. Turns into like Anakin Skywalker or yeah. something. It yeah. was tragic, but the I think the the biggest thing, right? Like before which starts the physical um fight is when Shiv says, "Well, you can't be CEO because you killed someone." Did you like that? Did you like that they brought this up now and it's been there are six months that passed between season three and season four, I believe. And so I guess it's never come up between That's what, the three siblings. Yeah, Shiv says, she says like, you kept me from my dad for six, six months. So yeah. I think that so I guess that they've true. never talked about it. Yeah. About what Kendall told them on that day in Italy. Yeah. Because they've the been on the same team. So right. it hasn't been useful information or leverage. Um, I, I do. I think that because I was fine can with hear, it. People can hear them. I could understand why people were maybe would like not like that writing or say like, Oh, it would just seem convenient that it came up. But I viewed it as like, this makes sense. Like, like I think she's Shiv, using the leverage now. Well, I'm saying had. that I think she's saying it. Yeah. Now in a conversational sense, like, and also Roman, you see easily is manipulated by mm-hmm. it. Um, and, and I think that she knows that like, this is a, a card that she actually really can play. Mm-hmm. So I, I was not bothered by it. And I, I didn't think there was going to be like this big reveal necessarily because we know that it's all kind of buried with like Colin and lawsuits. Logan has already gone to the house to like, yeah. you know, make amends with the family. Well, so. did you? What did you think about Kendall denying it and saying it was a false memory? That was wild. That was a, a bad move by Ken. Yeah. I think though he was kind of like in a bind either way. Like if he had said yes, he this should did have happen. pre-planned for this. <laughs> yeah, for this. This is like the biggest thing in his life. That yeah, he had to pre-plan. It's for. the biggest thing that people could use against him. I think he, him saying that he lied was him just like totally spinning out. And then Roman, you know, the biggest thing with Roman is like, you broke trust with me. Yeah, that was that was something uh, very deep and dark about your life that you I felt like let me we, in on. Yeah, yeah. And we had a connection there because we have a lot of dark shit in our lives. And it was nice to know that we could talk about those things. Yeah. Uh, 
And I think, yeah, he lost a lot of trust. Yeah. So I think immediately, um, you know, shit, I, but for me, I, I, but did it work for you? Cause I I think it was fine for me. No, but that's because I'll get to it at the end. It's like, if they're going to use that leverage, Shiv uses that leverage as a justification for why she shivved Ken, even though we both know it's because Tom, like she wants Tom to Mm -hmm. have power so she can have power. Uh, then somebody should have used the Ebba situation. Somebody should have used Kendall or Roman or someone on Kendall's team should have but used... But it was like too late. It was like they were in the room and Shiv was the only decision that they had to make. So Kendall, I think the reason that he responded in the way that he did, like I didn't do this, is so if he actually was able to convince Shiv, it would not come back to him again, yeah. which was just like obviously not a good move. I guess it just leaves... That plot decision leaves open plot holes, I think, about what is said and when it's said. Because Kendall could have easily gone to the shareholder meeting and said, we can't do this because it's going to come out tomorrow because I'm going to leak it to the press that Matson has been sending quarts of his blood over to Ebba and has been harassing her for a year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think you know what I'm saying. Like, it does open up a weird plot. Yeah, but I think think it makes sense to me. Thematically, it makes sense that they're that they told that. Well, Ken wouldn't like he didn't plan for it. Right. Because he's on this like delusional cloud nine. He's not making sure that like he is good. I think just like how we see Logan, um, Logan, you know, is a, is a bully and is able to be in the position that he is because he's not resting, um, Mm -hmm. until he knows that the deal is made Yeah, and he is not, he he rarely like celebrates things. He just screams like, that's goddamn fucking right. right. You know, like, so I think that he's like always holding his breath and we see Kendall, often like celebrating too early. And sure. so I, I think that was like kind of the, he doesn't plan flaw. that much ahead. It's just day by day, just like Logan yeah. and how Roman and Schiff said on the beach about Logan. Um, okay. My only, it's not even a rebuttal. It's really just kind of reiterating things that we said on the podcast is we've talked a lot about Ebba on this mm-hmm. show and um, Kendall and Roman doing a good job of trying to get Ebba on their team mm-hmm. and uh, having that cigarette with her on the balcony of the political game night yeah well Ebba, i mean yeah go ahead and so what we assumed was there was there was an exchange of information there about like india and data and numbers but also we assumed as soon as kendall also had a cigarette with her this is before he drank any alcohol and this is now and then right after that cigarette with her we saw alcohol in his hands a few different episodes obviously in this episode we just watched in the finale but we figured that like two things were happening one jesse armstrong was showing us that kendall was going to use Ebba as leverage and maybe got her on the team because she hates Matson for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. And two, Kendall was going to relapse, um, which they were alluding to the final five episodes of this show. And then in the funeral episode, Hugo comes up to Kendall as he's uh, uh, saying goodbye to everyone, leaving the funeral right. and says, Ebba has told us like a key piece of information. Um, I forget what the information was. It was that Shiv was planning to be US CEO, and that's what Matson was going with right. as a plan to get Macon. And, and so on H- their team. Hugo says that was from Ebba. So then we kind of got a confirmation that we know Ebba is working with Team Kendall, which uh-huh. is Frank Hugo. Or giving information at the very or, least. At the very yeah. least information. And then Greg calls Kendall in this final episode, telling him, Hey, I have like galaxy changing information. <laughs> um, and then Kendall hangs up with Greg and calls someone, and he tells that person, this was kind of subtle, but he tells that person, Hey, don't say anything if this is true. Because obviously they're in oh, a room. Kendall. Kendall calls Oh, oh did, I think he did say, like, I got it confirmed by multiple sources. Multiple sources. He does say Ebba, doesn't he? He doesn't say Ebba. He says, oh. call Carolina. He tells one oh. of them, I think she had to call Carolina. Maybe he called Carolina. But I, it doesn't I, make I sense he why called. he would tell Carolina to not say anything. Because the person he calls, he says, hey, don't don't say anything. Just You're right. If, don't uh. say anything if this is true. Because yeah. he, he, obviously that means it implies that someone's in a room 
where this information couldn't be where, talked yeah, about. Yeah, they're maybe around Matson. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So I thought it was Tom originally, but the way he said it, I was well, like... Well, he said he came from multiple sources, so I think you're right. Carolina was like then a different call yes. where uh, she he found out that Shiv was taken off of the press right. release. exactly. Um, so I guess my whole point is we know, I think it's implied that Ebba was on Team Kendall, and it makes me feel like there's a 15-minute subplot missing. Yeah, I, I don't fi- know, if it, but for me, like the way I was reading it towards the end, like was that uh, Ebba basically... She didn't, she wasn't in a position where she could actually like come out with this information because similar to Jerry, except she's in a more vulnerable position yeah. as not being an executive right? Um, and not being in a situation where Jerry can actually maybe get anything or like, obviously we know neither of the, neither Jerry or Eva would get um, justice or like no. have a legal legal action taking against the Roy's or the Matsons of the world. Right. But that the, this was the only kind of like move that Ebba had was to try to get Kendall to yeah. not let the acquisition go through. Yeah. And so because if she like went to press and was like, hey, this is happening, nothing, nothing's going to happen for her. I guess maybe, just it feels you know? wrong to use the Ebba thing as a plot device. Though what you're saying is right. I think they could have been explicit about how she could have gotten no justice and this was the most she could have gotten in this situation realistically. Yeah, even sadly. though it is a TV show um, and it is fiction. But I just feel like they used it as a plot device to create some kind of like more dramatic part of this show. Mm. But I really thought not to go too off track here because we still haven't talked about the craziness that is the directing uh, peak of watching Kendall <laughs> squeeze Roman's face, yeah. which we, have, we haven't gotten to yet. Um, but I just, I just feel like they could have maybe given us ten or fifteen minutes more of explaining why Kendall and Roman never used the Ebba information because they could have just planted that scene in the news the day of the shareholder meeting. I'm not yeah, trying to write the writers. Yeah, I don't. Here. I just it, just, it feels like a weird plot hole. It. Like I, I, I think that I think the whole kind of like idea of the end of this show was that the siblings again like overestimated their position of power. Okay. And I think that's like, even though I, I think we've like kind of, it's just weird not to bring it been, up this final oh, episode you mean for, for no the one writers. to say it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think that it's probably, uh, what, where they were going into the writer's room. I agree that I think it would have been a, a good, um, like final. Ending. Yeah. Just ending to have like a, some sort of parallel of Jerry's situation within the Roy family yeah. and also Ebba's situation. Like we, like we've talked about right. Um, throughout this, this season. Mm-hmm. But I do think that like in their kind of like final moves, their biggest thing was to say like that the Roy children, like they are not serious people also make a point that their dad last episode, like his brother told us like also Logan wasn't a serious person. Yeah. And then when we finally are in the end game and there's a final stamp that the Roy's don't keep this, the company that Jerry is like still in this like system, which right. is then Ebba's future. So yeah. like, even, I think they were, they're even standing next to each other or near each other at the end during mm-hmm. the signing over. Yeah, I mean, they're in the same room. Everyone's in the same room. That's true. But yeah, but yeah. yes, you're, you are right in the idea that like we see Ebba next to Matson, we see Jerry and well, Tom's like, I want to talk to Jerry first. Well, that image is really important when, when Roman signs over the company. Cause they try, I think they're trying to make a connection between Matson and Roman a little bit. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And who they are as people and what they've, what they've done with their power. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of one of the reasons I think yeah, Matson's like Roman, Roman in a different Matson. life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that I think, well, I think Matson's supposed to be looked at as Neo Logan, just this new money Logan. Um, instead of, you know, newspapers, he has tech. Like that's the kind of transition they're making here in post-industrial late capitalism, which I'll get to later. But yeah, I, I guess I just wanted to... Well, we've talked about before that Logan, like when he's alone with Roman, 
uh, he often like makes jokes like Roman, right? Yes. Like he has the maturity level of Roman still. So I think that he is a Neo Logan, but that's a comment on like Logan actually being Roman yeah. when we build him up to be something bigger as they're, an audience. They're all as bigots. A society. Yeah, yeah. These, those three people, especially they're bigots. Yeah. I, I just wanted to, to note that about Ebux. I do think that is probably the weirdest plot hole that felt a little bit rushed sure. for the end of the okay. season. That's all. That's all. Let's talk about how uh, Kendall almost uh, broke Roman's face. Oh my um, God. That was... I said, I think last episode that something physical would probably happen. I know we just talked about that earlier, but that was way more intense than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be a slap. Like, like something where it was like Tom a burst and Greg of, yeah, okay. With that in the bathroom. I thought I was going to see that. I didn't think I'd see him being thrown up against a glass window and Shiv trying to like stop Kendall and Kendall even pushing Shiv off a little bit. Yeah. So uh, longtime listeners might know this, but we talk about how like we often watch horror movies. So Trey sometimes like just can't look like I'll, I'll look over at him during the most intense scenes and he's I'm not like, afraid to admit he, like, puts his head down for a second. I've told or... horror directors on the podcast that I do that. <laughs> I, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm not trying to shame you at all. No, no, I'm... no. I'm just telling <laughs> listeners you should be okay with doing that. We should all do that together. But I always force myself to look except we just watched uh, a horror movie where someone put a heel in someone's throat ah! oh, uh, so yeah. i couldn't that was the only thing i couldn't watch which was funny earlier the day the day um yeah. of succession we just literally called, watched that and then watched succession so it, it just started streaming on shutter it's called influencer yeah. check it out if anybody wants to watch a 90 minute social thriller it's pretty good yeah it was yeah it was pretty good uh, it was just like a fun horror movie but i think so so anyway uh kind of drawing that connection to like whether i can look or not usually during almost anything besides like really violent scenes mm-hmm. um in horror movies like someone uh you know like the body gore right yes. i usually like can't look at that but i'm fine looking at anything else okay. this was the only moment in like a dramatic tv show i think maybe ever that i've thought i can't look at this. I felt like I shouldn't even look at this. So, it was like, so, um, I don't know. I felt like terrible looking at these siblings, like really at their like lowest moment yeah. and then breaking. I couldn't, I could, I was trying to think back at a moment where I've seen abuse within family, like physical abuse about two people that love each other, but I've had weird histories. And I think this show is very singular in the fact that it's long form. So it really can't relate to anything I've seen in a movie. I thought of like American history X or something, but like, I couldn't think of anything that's like really drawn me out of getting connected to siblings. Well, I think, I think that's interesting because obviously we've seen like physical and emotional abuse in movies, but we have so much, um, not that, not that I don't feel, you know, similar, like, you know, sure. Tragedy when I'm watching that in a movie, but I'm viewing it as like a choice of the writer, like within this, like kind of short, um, two hour story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In this world of succession, we have so much background with the yeah. siblings and context. So it feels like you really like know the Roy children. It's like 50 hours too. So I think that's yeah. why I felt like I couldn't watch because I was like, or shouldn't watch because I like felt like I knew that much. Maybe it sounds dramatic for people. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, because I'm not connecting to these characters and like, oh my God, like, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm overly empathizing with them. We all know that they're all terrible people. It just felt like tragic because again, uh, Jesse Armstrong is making a comment about like if the Roys are broken and like what um, do, do yeah. our dynamics maybe, maybe look like. And I think Kendall lost it because Roman made a comment about his family and it was like a racist, if not like bigoted comment. Yeah. And stemming from Logan too. Yeah. That came from Logan and that Roman knew that he was pushing Kendall in a wound because, yeah. uh, he was irritated that Kendall might have lied about the, the man that died in season one. Yeah. And so that was just kind of like, I feel like I was betrayed. So I'm going to kick the dog, um, moment. And Kendall fought back. Uh, and it was a moment where I was like, not wasn't, how do I put this? <laughs> Physical violence, not okay. But there was a part of me where I was like, 
I can see this. Like I can, I understand you can see this realistically happening. Yeah. What Roman said about Kendall's kids is disgusting. And I, and what even Shiv what alluded to about Kendall, not having an heir, not really being a part of the bloodline mm. was kind of disgusting, especially bloodline as a theme of the show. Um, and they're kind of political, uh, I guess, false personas that they put on. Yeah, really especially with clean Minkin in this moment. episode, like talking about like, yes. purity and shit. Yeah. yeah. So once that was made clear, I I saw Kendall also realizing that, yeah, he might not be fit for this company. It's sad that his siblings are calling him out on his bullshit in front of all, of his, all these people who are important to him in this corporate life. But also like his siblings are really gross. Yeah. Uh, and they just said something kind of disgusting. And there is something that I... And I think that's why we're all a little bit more connected. To, I think I'm speaking for people, but like, I think a lot of people I've noticed are more connected to Kendall than, uh, even though there's a lot of team Shiv and team Roman, the reason why people are so loud who are team Shiv and team Roman is because a lot of people are team Kendall. If, well, also if you're, Kendall's the main character. If you're going to be team, anyone of the three yeah. siblings, it makes sense, uh, for Kendall because, uh, he is like an addict and he's gone through all these terrible situations with his family and possibly going to jail and the death of that man. And there are all these things that have added up to his character and all this context. And he's basically the protagonist of the show. If there was one, there isn't. <laughs> uh, so in that moment when he's like squeezing on Roman's face, I'm like, Let, leave him alone. But also Roman, you shouldn't have said that shit. So yeah. Yeah. I think the, like maybe that moment was the most evident of the poison dripping through, like yeah. not them being foolish in front of a boardroom or not, Kendall giving this like really intense speech and using his, his dad's funeral as a business opportunity Mm -hmm. to talk about how money is like this beautiful thing and creating a false narrative of uh, them building civilization from mud. Right. Like I think this is more so like the poison drips through Yeah, and the way that not only are they like broken as a family um, Mm -hmm. and they have toxic, like, you know, relationship dynamics can't feel connection because of their parent, like, their parenting or their socialization. Yeah. But more so the way that they, they kind of like hurt each other is, yeah. is like the poison of what Logan's talking about, what he thinks is true or what he has had a narrative of like the, what, what ATN like stands for of him thinking that he's telling the truth when really, again, he's preying on people's prejudice Yeah, and the siblings are at the crux of it, like have that rotten pit. Yes. I think Kendall's is the most sad because I do think he hates his father the most. Um, and what he does to him, what his dad Mm -hmm. does to him, like internally and all the psychological abuse and the way it manifests. And also like, let's not forget Logan hit Iverson with a can. Like, I mean, there's a lot of hate. I think, uh, Kendall feels for his father. And I think seeing his siblings, I think reminds him of Logan anyways. Yeah. So it was just a really toxic, uh, scene that was tough to watch, but I think what's interesting was the conversation after, uh, when Shiv goes to vote, make her vote, and Kendall stays in there, and he's like sitting on the ground, and Roman gets on the table. Right. Kieran Culkin does a good job of of making sure he's in the center of the frame, even right. if he isn't the one speaking all the time. No one's really voiced it that way. They've just said Kieran Culkin's an Emmy award winning, or should win an award, uh, or should win an Emmy uh, actor, and he's given a lot of those performances this season. I agree, but he also has has like obviously gone to the school of you're a supporting actor and in order to look like a lead you make sure you give a hell of a physical performance yeah (laughs) and he's always that guy who's either putting a hand on like a lamp in the middle of a shot or getting on top of a table whether that was written in the script or not yeah yeah and i I really he's amazing but he's incredible in this episode i don't even know who there were so many great performers in this one uh, I think Matt's, I mean, Skarsgård as Matt's and being crazy in that one moment was probably mm-hmm. one of the best performances of this episode. But when he gets on top of that table and he is saying that basically this is all fucking phony news and it's, it's all glue, it's nothing. Yeah. 
And uh, Kendall's like pleading to him, like, even if it's not me, man, like, let's offer Frank. Did you notice that Kendall said I that? I didn't notice him say that. Yeah, he said, let's just offer Frank up for CEO. Oh, wow. Like, let's keep it, keep it in family. Yeah. Um, and Roman's like, no, man, like, we're bullshit. And uh, we're like nothing. We're just nothing. And I think people can read that one of two ways. How, how did you take that? Yeah. So, okay. When I watched that, I, I thought about that. I definitely wanted to talk about it before we ended because it's kind of like a poison drips through stamp on the show in calling back the idea of Logan telling the siblings, you are not serious people. I love you, but you're not serious people in the karaoke bar. Yeah. I think surface level, right? Armstrong and the team want people to call back to that. And the sure. audience might say like, oh yeah, okay, Roman just realizes it now that they're all not serious people. They are nothing. Yeah, um, and Logan must be successful and smart because he's like exactly. the head of this corporation. Yeah, right, so like- And he's really, billions of dollars. So I think yeah. that's like what on the surface level, um, you know, Jesse Armstrong's doing is calling us back to the idea that the kids have internalized this idea, at least Roman has, that the kids are nothing and maybe audiences say, oh yeah, that's the truth. That's There's something the final, I can latch onto, a logic of the show I yeah, can latch onto. Yeah, that's the final like uh, shoe drop of, yes. uh, or mic drop of the show. What I think was actually happening was what we've been talking about all along, which is that the kids have internalized that because they've internalized that they've been making these like wild, like they're just volatile mm -hmm. moves because they feel so unhappy and insecure inside. And so meager because Logan had a meagerness in him mm -hmm. and had to make other people feel like they were also weak. And then repackage his own weakness as something that was special. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that for he, me, like he shit outside. Yeah. <laughs> for me, yeah, Great new narratives. Yeah. For me, that's what I took from it yeah. was that, okay, Logan's kind of legacy is finally um, really set in place mm -hmm. that he really had his kids believe that they were nothing. Winner's um, right history, man. kind of tragic. Sick. Yeah. yeah. And and I think like, because we could look at it too, we know that all the all of the characters are full of shit. Yep. Right? Um, Matson is very weak. Mm -hmm. Like we see him, his reasoning and why he picks Tom or like, what like basically how he treats um his employees right yeah and i and I, so i think like this narrative of logan being the special person who could do it in in the siblings eyes is supposed to be kind of turned from the last couple of episodes yeah and so seeing roman say it's all glue it's all a show and yeah we're nothing, we're nothing dab is right was to to have like the audience think about like that that at least Roman and the siblings have like internalized that. I almost feel like sometimes when we're watching this, we have a lot of listeners um, in England uh, who listen to the show, especially about succession. What's up guys. Uh, <laughs> hey. um, and sometimes I think those moments are uh, the moment of Roman going, we're nothing. We're bullshit. Uh, we're not serious people. Dab was right. That writing, the, initial layer of that writing is so American audiences can have something to latch onto a logic, a somewhat semi protagonist who is Logan, who is now dead, but it is a figure that American culture is known for romanticizing and glorifying a billionaire, you know, tycoon mm -hmm. who runs an industry who beats the system, which, you know, is shorthand for beats the democracy of our country, which yeah. is not something we should look fondly upon, but we do, uh, our culture does. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if fondly upon, like, I don't think everyone, you know, looks fondly upon, which I, I don't think you're like trying to paint a broad brush, but I do think I understand what you mean as far as like propping up mm -hmm. maybe these figures and like yeah. putting them on like time person of the year, right? Like, yeah, we're good uh, at that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I think like celebritizing or yeah. creating myths around 
really the myth building is probably the toxic, best way to put it. Like business deals that are ultimately, you know, I mean, we've we've seen like well, in real like, life almost like lord like figures. I mean, they joke about feudalism in this episode, but that is, I mean, the fear of our economic system, yeah. which we're letting billionaire figures control politics and basically recreate empires within our broken empire. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> not, so I think yeah, that's maybe the, not look fondly, but like prop up and yeah. excuse or yeah. So I think not the, hold accountable like, right. like the series. Exactly. Uh, so I think that surface layer of Roman telling Kendall, Hey, we're bullshit is so American audience can go. Yeah. Logan was legit and you guys aren't, even uh-huh. though he was a bad guy, that's at least he I knew what to do. Saw it, yeah. Yeah. But then I think the second layer, which I think is more for the British satire on American audiences and other, uh, other groups around the world I think the second layer is going to be pretty obvious to a lot of people, which is that uh, Logan has tricked his kids and um, has made them think that they're they're nobody, like how you're saying. And uh, we know that's the farthest thing from the truth because Logan is the most insecure man rewriting history. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's tragic, guys. It's, <laughs> it's really sad. Also, something I uh, thought about was Roman actually does know, though, that the kids are bullshit to a certain extent because there is an episode. And they are bullshit to a certain extent. Yeah, but I mean, even just like working in that building, like they can't even handle that job at all uh, because they have no experience. But there was an episode, I think it was one of the best episodes, and I'm forgetting the name, where they do the shooter lockdown episode. Oh, Panic Room. Panic Room, where I think Roman goes to... Roman's uh, not in the building. That's when so he's Ray Jarrell is having. Uh, yeah. Oh, Roman's doing okay. training uh, at a theme park. Yeah, with the like. Because he's going to be head of park. The pastries that are stale. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and he is training with a, a character named Brian, played by Zach Cherry. Oh yeah, they make the like uh, a horror th- theme ride theme, or yeah. something pitch. R- Roman's like, we need to immerse people in their fears. Yeah. Like, that's like that's what Americans <laughs> want. And I was like, I mean, if you look at the state of Hollywood right now, horror <laughs> movies are doing very well after the pandemic or toward the end of it. Uh, so I, I thought of that character in that conversation Roman had, like coming home from that trip and being like, yeah, Jerry, I found this guy. We need to move him up, Brian. Oh, yeah. Just with this realization that that Roman thinks because they have all these big ideas like Matson, who tells Tom, I have all these ideas. I have so many ideas. Yeah. It's like wealthy people talking themselves into the reason why they have power is not because of like their bloodlines, like what they've gotten from their wealth through generations. Uh, it's it's instead because they are idea people where everyone else isn't. And Roman goes to work with people of a working class who are like just trying to make ends meet who have a ton of great ideas and maybe shouldn't be in those positions. And I think it's that kind of realization. What does that, he call himself? Ron Ronstone or something I think like Ronald that? Ronald Ronstone. Ron <laughs> Ronstone. Know, that's, Rob Ronstone. That's right. I don't know. <laughs> something like that. Uh, anyways, I thought of that moment just yeah. to give Roman some, I guess, credit or whatever to Roman sympathizers out there that I do think he's had moments of this show kind of realizing that he is full of shit. Yeah. And I think you're right um, as far as the drawing that connection to that scene with Roman and then also Matson, especially because they're very comparable characters and we see, you know, them, they're the first ones to talk, right? Yeah. They like pee on the, or, you know, Matson yeah. does, um, on the app waste. What is it called? Like Waystar go or something. I forget what the Waystar app was called, forget, but, it, yeah. but it wasn't loading or refreshing. It exactly, was like, our, yeah. it was like max when yeah. we were trying to watch succession <laughs> the first five minutes when it wouldn't load. <laughs> I was like, if this doesn't load, people are going to break Twitter. me and Kelsey have been saying all week to, to each other. I wonder if Max will like shut Crash, down when everyone yeah. <laughs> puts on succession. Wouldn't that be hilarious with this? Yeah, but everything takeover? was fine. Um, but I, but I do think it's a good comparison to say like that Roman like thought he had ideas and realized that he didn't. Mm-hmm. And then Matson saying like, Oh, I have all these ideas when we know from previous context with Ebba on the balcony, uh, when she's talking to Roman and Kendall that like 
she and the PR team created Matson's image. He doesn't even know how to code. Like mm-hmm. someone gave him the box. Yeah. Hints of Elon Musk in that character. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's go to Tom because he's the new money CEO. Yeah. He walks in. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, like very slowly, confidently. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I think uh, I was a little bit surprised about how he was carrying himself, to be honest, yeah. after watching all these seasons, but also kind of like not. It just seems like he has been the hardest working person at Waystar <laughs> this season. <laughs> or within the executive within team. Within the executive yeah. team, yeah. Again, just to be... <laughs> They're all In this circle people, yeah. of, of powerful people who are all terrible at everything, uh, he seems to be the person who's actually like... like He didn't go to Logan's funeral and he took that guy's job. Like yeah. that's not by accident. I love when he was, it's exactly what Logan would do. Well, yeah. Okay. So that, okay. So I was, I'm so glad you brought this up. Cause I would have forgot. Um, Tom says to Shiv, you know, after Shiv says like uh, you, you wouldn't have dared to not come to his funeral when he was alive. And mm-hmm. Tom says, the thing about that is your dad's lost a lot of power in the past couple of days. Yeah. Right. And, and that's what we see is like, okay, Tom might be doing something behind the scenes. Cause he's nodding to power again. Mm-hmm. But the most interesting thing in the pilot episode, season one, episode one, uh, Logan says, why did you come to my birthday party? To Tom? No, no, to Kendall. Oh. Right? So Kendall's about to get power, and he says, there are a couple of reasons why I'm not giving you the company when they kind of have it out. First, you signed the paper without about getting the lawyer. And second, you have a deal with Volter that you're supposed to be going through, and you came yeah. to my birthday. And so I was like, oh, great. Tom didn't go to Kels, the funeral. That, that is such a great pickup. Wow. That's such a great callback. I forgot about that. But so he would have made Logan proud. You're right. It's so interesting that this uh, this internal logic that Jesse Armstrong and the writers team have created about how pe- corporate executives think and, and I guess operate in this system. Like they wouldn't go to each other's funerals yeah. if they could move up a social or political Well, I also ladder. think though, we know that Tom is like has the killer in him, right? That Logan says that Kendall doesn't have, even though I think that Kendall yeah. does have a, a sort of a killer, but not, but honestly, Tom has more of a killer. We see it in the Sid Peach conversation, right? Like if you go back to, is it season two where he's put in charge of ATN? Uh, he's given co-status with, uh, with, Sid with Sid in season yeah. two. So that first conversation they have in that room, you, everyone, if you can't remember that, that scene, go back and watch it. It is wild. Like to see Tom play, Mm-hmm. You, he's just this muted figure like within Shiv's life and trying to make sure that he is um, being in like Logan's good graces and the Roy's good graces. So he doesn't get thrown overboard. And then uh, when we see him in a conversation with someone else and actually like being Tom, he's scary when he's talking to Sid. Yeah. Yeah. It's frightening. And let's not forget Tom is the only person that would even attempt to try and eat Logan's chicken <laughs> on the yacht yeah. in season two. At so the that end. came yeah. full circle. Uh, I think I've been like, that's been the back, that image has been the back of my mind. Just Tom and like Matthew McFadden just chewing on that chicken. Yeah. It's kind of what he does. He eats Logan's lunch. Like he comes for him when he's dead. doesn't go to his funeral. I love that callback to Kendall. Wow. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about Greg? Yeah. Okay. So this is an interesting point for me. I actually really was on the fence and did not know if Tom was going to keep Greg under his wing. What do you think? Um, I definitely thought he would. I mean, after that whole like sporus thing or whatever, like pushing my wife down the stairs and I'm going to take you with me. Um, and that kind of that embrace that they have toward the end of season three, where he sits Greg down to tell him that he's like going to take him with him. Yeah. I've thought Do you want to sell point, your soul for like for the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I forget what Greg said in response, but he it said, was funny. Who, who needs a soul anyway? Yes. Yeah. yeah sorry. Something like that. <laughs> uh, so I, ever since that moment, I just figured that it was always like a, 
an undercurrent prediction of the show, which is that Greg and Tom are going to like go to the end. It was just a little bit confusing who Logan would give the power to in the back of my mind. But when Logan died, I had honestly had no idea what was going to happen at that point. Mm-hmm. That's why we kind of sat on the Kendall predictions. Um, so seeing Tom have power here and then him like being, I guess people introducing themselves to Tom and saying, congratulations yeah. about your powerful position and Greg kind of hanging by. I knew they were going to give us like some kind of cutesy <laughs> moment between the two of them where they're fine. I am a little bit interested in like what the future looks like. Again, a lot of these endings are ambiguous, but I would be curious to know if Greg is going to play like a Jerry position. I think he's going to be on the executive team. Like I think you actually said this in our season one deep dive that Jerry and Greg are kind of similar characters and the idea of them doing whatever is in their, their best interest. Right? Yeah. Like they both have a lot of information. Uh, they Tom seem to says, be in every room. I want Jerry on my team because she's not afraid of the dark. And he, and Tom, again, like you said, like knows that Greg will make moves now that he knows he's safe, like within uh, Tom's bidding. I think Tom for all of the evil things we've said about him, if he has a skill, it's that he's very observational And so I think he has been forced to be the quiet person in powerful rooms a lot in his life. And I think Carolina is a lot like that. I think Jerry is a lot like that. And Greg is obviously like that. And if you watch season one again, Greg is talking to Jerry a lot behind the scenes. Oh my God. I forgot about the uh, Reckney ball. Remember when Tom tells him about cruises that he's going to go to the press Yeah, because otherwise Tom's going to get thrown uh, like overboard at Mm -hmm. some point or under the bus overboard is a a wild thing. Uh, But we see Greg tell Jerry, right? And he lies to Tom and says that Shiv, you know, implies that like Shiv was the one. Yeah, Greg kind of, Said honestly something. plants a seed of doubt and Shiv and Tom's relationship. Yeah. So, and and Jerry says like, let's keep talking to Greg. So we know that Greg listeners probably don't remember talked that. About that was, it. That's such a deep cut, but like, yeah, that happens once. And I think at Shiv's wedding at the end of the season, Greg and Jerry are talking to each other too. There is mm-hmm. a moment where they're, Oh, in the background. Yes. You are right. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. And Greg's talking to Ebba throughout the season and mm-hmm. when they were in Norway. So I feel like there is, Greg is a great asset to Tom as an observational person who likes to be on the outside because now Tom is at the top. So yeah. he needs people like that around him that are going to do things that he would do anyways. So it kind of makes sense. I would love to see the spinoff of <laughs> yeah. and Matthew McFadden running a whole new show. That yeah. wouldn't be called succession. It would just it would just be about the kind of the inner workings of ATN and Waystar. Or like you said before, like the evil broadcast news. The evil broadcast yeah. news. Just call it that. <laughs> yeah. We'd all tune in. But I mean, I, I really love the sticker that Tom puts on him. Like he's claiming him in the in the kind of uh the show aftermath. becomes a different show with Tom and Greg, I yeah. swear. It's like not the same genre at all. <laughs> it turns into something else and I love it. Yeah. And then yeah. we have like the signing where Matson is like just being really exaggerated mm-hmm. and like kind of showing off that he won. And he says that we're in, in the room with like Jesus and his disciples and even Judas is in the room. Judas is in the room. And I like that idea. Greg's that like, oh, me? <laughs> Tom, like it wasn't just something where it was like, Tom, like the same thing. Tom says, I gotcha to Greg or something like mm-hmm. that. It was that he had to like actually fight for Greg. He probably did behind to, the scenes to yeah. say like, Hey, I know he like stabbed you in the back, but I want to, keep him. Yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of liked that kind of twist because I really didn't know when they first started talking, if Tom was going to take Greg yeah. with him, you know, what's been weird about Tom this whole season. I think I've said it a couple episodes. Matthew McFadden is the second best performer on the show, in my opinion, next to Jeremy strong, mm. um, or at least gives the, 
I would say he doesn't have the most to do uh, to succeed. I think that was definitely Brian Cox's Logan to kind of stand out because Brian Cox had all these crazy lines yeah. that he could really go full, like the loudest full one theater. The room. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Matthew McFadden does a lot with not much I think to Tom's say. one of my favorite characters, like as far as well, the, I, the writing that he gets. Well, I was going to say... Jeremy Strong's definitely the, the biggest, the best performer. There was me. something weird a little bit about Jeremy Strong's performance in this episode. I think we said it at the top when we started watching the episode at the beginning. He even looks a little bit different. Like his eyebrows were shaved down yeah, a little. Yeah, like, what happened with his appearance? It seemed like they shot They must have a shot a different time, time. yeah. yeah. Um, and it was almost like... It, I think seeing Jeremy Strong fall apart and not have much to say back when we've seen Kendall drop some real bangers of lines, <laughs> um, <laughs> considering he's such an interesting performer in the succession world. It was too bad to not see Jeremy strong, be able to kind of like flex his acting muscles, even though he's done, he's done it for four seasons. So it's mm-hmm. fine. But kind of seeing Matthew McFadden slowly eat Kendall's lunch too. So like you have these two different layers of Matthew McFadden becoming maybe the most well-known actor out of the show and also winning succession in a weird way. <laughs> uh, if you don't count Matson, I guess, um, so I thought that was interesting. Do we want to talk about the uh, the last shots of the siblings? But before we do, I just want to bring up one more time, even though we've brought it up many times this season. It's one of the all-time scenes of succession when uh, Kendall tries to get Tom onto his side and they meet at the diner in the middle of the night Incredible. when Logan is in the suite picking the president. Yes. Just that that interaction, I think, is like lasting. And I'm sure other people will talk about it where Tom says, like, I've never seen your dad lose once. Yeah. And I've like, I've seen you lose a bunch. Yeah. Do you know what they're doing? They're picking the next president. And sets the framework for season four. Yeah. And I think like Tom is a is a, a threat, but he yeah. is not sensed by the siblings because they don't even think to like think he, of him as someone who's a player. Well, Tom's also saying you're being a child and I'm working with your father upstairs. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so you keep being a child. I'm going to have to take your job. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of what he does. Uh, so yeah, he, he tries because Kendall tries to take pictures of him, and he's like, "Oh, that's cute. That's cute. Yeah, that's cute." <laughs> oh my god! Um, curious to what you're going to use those for. <laughs> Never uses them. <laughs> um, okay, so the siblings. Yeah, this is what kind of killed us. I think yeah. we didn't talk for like 15 minutes. I saw I saw a tweet like right after the show ended that someone had just been walking around their house for five minutes, <laughs> like not saying anything, uh, but they have a whole family <laughs> in their house, and that's kind of how I felt after this show ended because of these final images of the siblings that are all pretty depressing. I've thought about all their stories. You know, they don't end. They will carry on. But it's sort of where this show loses interest in them because they've lost what they wanted, which was to succeed, which, you know, this prize that their father held out. In a reductive, brutal way, Roman ends up exactly where he started. He is that guy still, and he maybe could have easily been a playboy jerk with some slightly nasty instincts and some quite funny jokes. He could have stayed in a bar being that guy, and this has been a bit of a detour in his life, I'd say. Shiv is still in play, I'd see, in a rather terrifying, frozen, emotionally barren place, but she has got this kind of non-victory, non-defeat. I mean, there's going to be some movement there. There's still a lot of of that game to play out, but that's where we leave it, and it feels like it's going to be hard to progress for them emotionally, given the things they've said to each other. For Kendall, this will never stop being the central event of his life, the central days of his life, central couple of years of his life. Maybe he could go on and start a company or do a thing, but the chances of him achieving the sort of corporate status that his dad achieved are 
very low, and I think that will mark his whole life. I don't feel like I'll be able to write anything as good as this um, again, because I, I think just feel like it's an arena that I'm so interested in, and the the group of people who've made it have been so talented. Yeah, let's talk about Shiv first, just because we sure. were already talking about Tom. Yeah. So we're in that, you know, signing room. Matson is joking with Roman, like, what's the return policy on this? Just to humiliate yeah. him, obviously. <laughs> and then yeah. Tom's in that photo op. It's so funny to see like Carl and Frank just like change teams so yeah. quickly. Um, maybe they're one last rodeo, even though Tom's going to kill them like right after <laughs> this. <laughs> and, uh, but Tom goes out to Shiv, who's standing there and says, hey, uh, I have a car in 20. Mm-hmm. And if you want to join, uh, feel free. Yeah. Kind of sweet. Yeah. In a, in in a, a dark toxic, way, twisted suggestion way. I yeah. think it's an olive branch from Tom for sure. And I think we see, uh, something where Shiv's standing there Yeah, and we know that, okay, this was the best move for Shiv to kind of one up her siblings in the end. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like kind of touch the crown or be closest to power, gain leverage emotionally and through business. Yeah. And yeah. based off of like her history with her, her siblings, they would have screwed they, her. Yeah, they could have like cut her out again, yeah. right? And and so I think that this makes sense for her as far as like her move for the future and to be in the best position possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Tom and Shiv will like work out long term, but I think as far as the writing decision here to have them end up together is telling us that Shiv made this this decision because she had that in mind. Number one, but also that maybe there is something there with Tom and Shiv where well, a baby. Shiv is not well yeah yeah they're gonna have a child together maybe um but that Shiv when she was in power and when she was in her dad's adjacent position she just like abused her power towards people she loved loved yeah because that's what Logan did mm-hmm. and so I think that in this situation weirdly um because Tom's in power and we already see him kind of acting differently even though we know that he's done very toxic things like the footstool stuff and ATN and right. all, all that stuff. I think it's just as far as the Tom and Shiv relationship that he might, or they might have a healthier option to move forward than if she was in power. Yeah. Because we see like that Tom always has them in mind as a unit and kind of like where they can move up in power. Yeah. And Shiv always like we've talked about before kind of sees Tom um, right. as a stepping stool to say like, I, I'm going to exercise how I'm in a powerful position by putting my, you know, the person close to me, closest to me down. So who I know will come back two things here. Jesse Armstrong has, uh, he worked in politics at a very young age. <laughs> yeah. I, I made that joke last podcast, but I was being serious <laughs> and I am serious now he did. And so he's a very kind of like politically centered mind. And I think he thinks in terms of history when contemporary events are happening. And that's what this show is supposed to represent is kind of a cycle of power in history and also using contemporary issues to tell that story. Some people say it's Shakespearean. You could even say it's maybe even a little bit dystopian by using these kind of contemporary issues. Uh, But what's interesting about the Waystar Royco empire is that it it is colonized by Matson and it's colonized by Tom. And they come in and they pillage the empire. They take it apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally what Matson says he's going to do, he's going to break it into parts and he's going to uh, basically create different kingdoms with it. And that is his goal. And he's using Tom as this kind of puppet to be this uh, faux person in charge. A yeah. Faux, a faux monarch. Yeah. Something. The pain sponge. Yeah. Right. Pain sponge. Um, so I find that interesting 
number one, um, just seeing the way that they're acting now that they have power over this empire. And then two, Shiv, I've speculated all season long that maybe she would get an abortion or there would be a miscarriage because I think that would add an interesting element to her arc of becoming her worst uh, or her dream of possibly becoming a better parent than her mom not or her father not coming through Mm -hmm. to fruition. Um, And so I thought that might be what they do, but instead they do something even a little bit darker, which is they basically give her the arc of her mom, which is being tied to this cold monster yeah uh even if we like tom relative to everybody else in the show he does seem kind of weirdly distant in that limo and the yeah. way he puts his hand out it almost feels like a power play yeah. like you should touch no that's true the palm of my hand and it almost feels a little bit icky where you're like oh have we not actually met tom yeah is this the tom that found his way into this family that kind of found his way to work from within and be a a sleeper agent within the 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 waystar royco empire and so the only reason I bring up Jesse Armstrong and his political and history mind is because it does feel like he's playing with the idea of kingdoms and empire building and colonialism a little bit with with how he is viewing Tom coming from a different family, yeah. a different set of life. I um, mean, that would make sense. Like that that last hand shot is so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So that was uncomfortable seeing Shiv end out like that. And I guess she did the best. Okay, we'll get to our power rankings in a second. <laughs> but with Roman... How do we read that? How did you read him sitting in the bar with his martini? Uh, If you watch toward the end of the episode, Jesse Armstrong and Mark Mylod talk a little bit about their relationship to the end of the show, their experience and how making a tragedy and Mm -hmm. how uh, every time there's a moment of hope, they crush it. (laughs) They talk a lot about that. But Jesse Armstrong did say something interesting about Roman. He said he really wanted to uh, highlight that this was like a weird chapter. Yeah, like he would look Roman's back life. at this and say, "Oh, this was the time I was look, I was trying to get control of my yes. family's company." Because if we look back at where we start in this whole series in season one, episode one, he has not been working in the company as at least like close to Logan or mm-hmm. been in the conversation of taking over. It's mm-hmm. just been Kendall, and I think he still is working for Waystar, but maybe working in movies or something like that. So yeah. but he's not directly like within this conversation of taking over a CEO. Yeah. And then now I feel like it's just been uh, however long, two years or like, you know, whatever. Yeah. And he's back in the, a similar situation where he's just mm-hmm. kind of like out. And that was a wild like whirlwind. Point of his life. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that makes sense that Justin Armstrong said that like this was just a tragic like point in his life. But Roman will still be Roman. Like keep yeah, going he's going to be a billionaire playboy. That's what he called him. Jesse Armstrong called oh, him a billionaire okay. playboy and he's going to be sitting in a bar by himself. Yeah. Um, and he's drinking still a tragic arc. He's drinking a martini, which I think that's Jerry's drink. Uh, so, Oh, that's true. So a little I, bit but, of, yeah, I think that, I think that here we see that like, he's not going to be as broken maybe as Kendall. I think that's mm. kind of like the comparison. I agree. Okay. Uh, so should we, Go to Ken. I actually was going to say that they did the worst. I think it makes sense that Kieran Culkin has been open about talking about why he wished the show would have kept going because I think they didn't know how to end Roman's arc, mm. which is ironic considering they did the worst job with Shiv probably all four seasons. But I actually think they ended her arc really well. And I think they, we've said this a lot before, but I think they did probably intend to kill Kendall eventually and that didn't happen and they kept making the show and we've heard armstrong talk about that a lot at the end of season three and so they still didn't do they did a good job at the end of kendall and we're about to get to that but roman actually think there's a lot missing from well the i think like arc. with his at least with his character what i got i'm using the word he, arc it's a satire so it's not the same 
narrative or, or structure, but still. Yeah. I think like he, we ended on him saying like, I, ha- I think I am nothing and I yeah. don't think he'll ever come really come to terms with that. Um, yeah. I think he'll just like have that at his core. That's tough. Okay. Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Kendall. So I think that Ken was like the most brutal to watch yep. because again, like we've got him as the main character. Um, we talked about that throughout this season, especially, but we follow Kendall mainly, even though obviously there's shared screen time for all the siblings, mm-hmm. the kind of crux as we have tracked our tragic moments throughout all of the different episodes of each season, the tragic moment has mainly been Logan hurting Kendall. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but I, I think he was the toughest to watch because you also know that he is going to going to be the one who doesn't really come back from this. Mm-hmm. I watching him go into the room after the vote and say to Frank, like, and he's in complete denial, like, let's redo the vote. Let's do this a different time. And Frank saying, you, you don't have the votes. You don't have right. it. Similar to what his dad said in the, which side are you on episode? Like you didn't, you couldn't do it, son. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't kill me. And I think he has a similar realization here and he goes to the elevator and they close up on him, him hitting zero. I was certain that he was going to not certain, but I felt like I was as close to certain <laughs> as I've been in this show. Cause we've said it a lot. Kendall's going to die. That is a part of his arc. It's oh, you experience. Was, was I was like, he's going to go to the top. Well, oh. the show has gone, shown us people on ledges for so or just at least him looking off. I know that's a part like of the he did point. In the safe room episode. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of season two. That was such a good shot where uh, they end that his episode. His head was on the... His head and the reflection of the glass. Yeah. Because he's looking down just... Incredible. Well, I mean, I think we get, you know, earlier on, I already said this line that he's a cog that can only fit in the one this one machine. Yeah. And if Shiv doesn't let him do this, then he'll die. That, I believe I that. Mean, that. Yeah. And we're going to get into that, I guess, in a second too, in terms of what happens to him. Yeah. He has a true, like, metaphorical death of yeah. never being happy. I agree. Um, he's kind of, like exiled perpetually stuck yeah in this just weird existence yeah. of not so existing him, with a bunch of money <laughs> to see him walk away in the park and then look over the water which water has been symbolic of him like celebrating after a living plus and writing number one boy in the sand uh to obviously like what happened in season one and, and just continuously returning to water to have him like looking out at it and and yeah, I, I was just seeing his future that is not going to be happy. And then the music swelling with Colin walking behind him, his dad's bodyguard kind of continuing this dad looming um, in his mind and him never being able to like pr- just get approval from his dad or yeah. be happy with himself. And then the music cuts. And also the man and who knows the that, water. that the biggest regret he has is getting in that car with that, that server. Yeah. Colin knows that it's mm-hmm. like in the background. Yeah, I guess I think the water has always been a symbol to me for Kendall as like a point of like cleansing. Like I've always looked at Kendall like having a very addictive personality because of his childhood and what his father has promised him and these kind of lofty goals for him at a very young age, Mm -hmm. even if he is incredibly, extremely privileged. So I've always looked at him getting in water as almost a cleanse of a new beginning um, or the opposite of like wanting to drown himself, which almost happens in season three. And so just being this interesting kind of paradox that he lives in of both wanting to walk on water (laughs) and then also not come up for air. Uh, that's something that I think they've done a good job of, of, uh, showing him next to all the time. And then him looking at it from afar like this, it's just, there's something unsettling about it. And I can't put my finger on it. And I think it, 
I, I love the ambiguity of it, of, of thinking that Kendall probably won't live a full life. Um, is is what, where I go, where my mind goes, yeah. because it is yeah. left open for interpretation of what happens to him. I don't see the 100 being a possibility. I know we're not supposed to read into it too much and like try to to create a, a, a fan fiction of Succession. Um, that's not what I'm interested in doing. But I, I am curious to know what Jesse Armstrong, what he, how he sees Kendall's future, um, because I, I do believe him when he says to Shiv, like You're, this will kill me if you don't give me this. Yeah, and she says, well. I don't care. Yeah. Because so, <laughs> you guys think, try to k- kill her in, in certain ways. Yeah. In different ways. I really don't think there's a lot of sympathy for Kendall being an addict from his family. That seems pretty clear. Yeah. And before we get to our final like points and extra credits about the, you know, idea of this being a, a really amazing satire. Yeah. Um, also, I guess before we get to that, I mean, it's already hour two. Like we basically just did our deep dive. Honestly, I didn't even realize. Yeah. And we, I mean, we didn't say the words like cringe or tragic, but I think like listeners, you can probably understand like where we're at with those. Let's just like, let's just call this our deep dive. Okay. Just do our power ranking then. Wow. That's sad. Yeah. Let's call it our deep dive. I think we've done a good job. I mean, we, you're right. We didn't use the language. New listeners. We always have a, a cringe award, a tragic award, funniest moment award, funniest moment. And then chess awards, which we usually talk about for 45 minutes, (laughs) (laughs) especially in the last few episodes. Um, yeah, let's do our power ranking. So number one boy, I guess is Matson. He's the new Logan, right? Oh, okay. I thought you were going to read out what we had from last episode. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, I know you did it already. But. So last episode, we had number one boy, Kendall, number two, Matson, number three, Shiv, number four, Greg, and number five, Tom. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I agree. Matson's number one yeah. boy. And I also think Kendall isn't in the top five anymore. I don't think obviously. so either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Number two. Tom. Tom. Yeah. Right. Number three, Shiv. I think Shiv. I thought maybe you'd say Greg, but I think Shiv. Like she makes the move to to make sure her siblings are but not in power. They could cut her out and she makes sure that she can be close to power with Tom. Yeah, but I, I think the part that's affecting me and like having a clear mind here is that it's still Matson as the new Logan. He's not going to ever give power to a woman. To Shiv. Yeah, but she can, she knows that yeah, I, I think she's so going she, to try. She knows it. that she's a player like within maybe this world. Yeah. Right. Like she still gets to operate in the world where. So so when we get the drop that Kendall's mm-hmm. going to take over or bear hug, right. Mm-hmm. And take over the company, the siblings, Connor, Roman and Shiv at the wedding all get Kendall in the room and say, how dare you do this to us? Right. Yeah. Because yeah, we can have money if, if St- Sandy and Stewie and you take this over, but we'll be nobodies. Right. And I think that's basically like what she does to her siblings. That's like their worst fear is to be a nobody. And she still gets to be a somebody. Yeah, that's true. So I, mean, I so, think she's at number three. So she definitely wins. I agree with you. I just, I don't know if she's actually going to be vying for the power. Well, yeah, like no I, one wins in this, but I will uh, say scenario, Tom and yeah. Shiv give big phantom thread vibes of like Reynolds Woodcock and like uh, Alma. Yeah. Of that's like, so true. if she makes Tom any meals, <laughs> Tom will be so like, did you PTA prepare this meal this, yourself? Yeah. <laughs> um, or she's going to get him sick all the time and take care of him. <laughs> Okay, so number three, Shiv. Number four, Greg or Jerry? It got to be Greg, right? I think, well, I think it's Greg just because he's so close to Tom. Uh, Okay. Yeah. This is like us almost like creating a fan season five of like trying to see what the power (laughs) rankings would be. But I guess this is how the show ends out. So number four, Greg, and then number five. I think Jerry. Jerry. Okay. I think Jerry. Jerry, Tom is like, I want to see Jerry immediately. Like he wants to see Carolina because Hugo comes up to him, but Jerry is his number one person. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So Matson, Tom, Shiv, Greg, 
Jerry. That's where we end the whole series. Oh my God. And to, uh, for people who haven't listened to our season one deep dive, like Tom and Greg were on our board. They were in the top the five. Time. Yeah. Yeah. And Jerry was always like in the realm of like, we wanted to put her on the, the ranking, but also there weren't moves specifically that she was making in the number one well, boy race to take Logan's job. Right. Right. So I love that. Well, she's what's funny the about the ranking. season one, episode one is that number one in our power rankings, we had uh, Logan. Number two, we had Kendall. Number three, we had Lawrence from Vaulter. So when they wow. brought Lawrence's name back up yeah. in this episode, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's just for the season one heads out there. Like they, they were just writing that into the script just for the episode one people who were trying to predict this show. But number four, we had Greg and number five, we had Tom which is pretty hilarious. Yeah. So it ended up making sense. And there was a whole through line. That's why I don't really love the criticisms of this finale not being great because it's repetitive. Uh, I just don't understand when something's repetitive versus a theme that's been carried out. Yeah, I think I definitely said that last episode that Jesse Armstrong wouldn't do the same thing. But I again, like I don't think it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would be like saying that the kids are just doing the same thing like season which to season. I think you could which argue they kind of if they do, kept but it's not, it's show. not repetitive, right? Yes. It's not boring. It's like, it makes so much sense mm-hmm. um, that they keep going back to this cycle. If Tom would have screwed Shiv over and not been CEO for whatever reason, then that would have been repetitive, I think. But the fact he actually is screwing her over, but for actual power this time, it's obviously a through line of his character. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you have any extra credits for the finale? I think, uh, and this In has already been said. <laughs> yeah, this has already been said by a lot of people, but and us like throughout the seasons. But the idea that there's this whole show built around like winning, right? And yeah. the idea, even when Tom wins, you feel like this pit, right? Like anytime that someone wins, you know they don't actually win. And within this whole idea of like being competition to each other, Mm -hmm. um, just like creating these toxic cycles is something that was so interesting that Armstrong was able to put on screen and also make us feel like connected to. So we were able to feel the toxic moments uh, within the relationships. And I think like to have people again, like reflect on, the ideas of competition within relationships. And we've been saying this all season. So for longtime listeners, I might be repeating myself, but the idea that the kids were raised by Logan, but really what Logan stands for is like being raised by capitalism and how that impacts like them in their personal lives yeah. in their, the compromises they have to make as far as their ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, and in them, the as myths people. that they create about themselves exactly. and, and their morals. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was so well done. This is, my favorite show of all time. Yeah. Uh, and I don't I, know if it's close it's, to anything. Yeah. I think the writing, he, I mean, for at me, the end of us. the, the series, like they do an after the episode and Jesse Armstrong seemed genuinely sad. Um, like I try not to, you know, create a, a myth or narrative around like yeah. creatives, but he seemed genuinely no, sad he said, that this was he, ending. He said, the last thing he said was, I think this is the best thing I'll ever make. Yeah. He said, I don't know if I'll be able to do it. But anything he said it like so this. straight. Yeah. He was being like, serious. Oh, he's thought about this a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think I'll just kind of go off of that agreeing with your extra credits and just repeating it in my own way. They're, they all go to Jesse Armstrong being the showrunner of this, of this television show. Obviously there's a lot of talented people and creatives who make this show from uh, the crew and set to the performers. But I think without Armstrong's like pen and direction, in crafting like this perfect contemporary satire on like post-industrial lords who have run massive service sectors of like media and our economy and who have been like working tirelessly for 
40, 50 years, really since Reagan, which is why that's such like a, a name that comes up so much in the show to control lobbying and, and politics just so they can deregulate the market and buy out competition and just watching like insecure men try to monopolize industries Mm -hmm. and trying to recreate their own empire within the United States is so smart. And I feel like you have to either be an American who's completely zoomed out and has a very, has a a finger on the pulse of history and cycles of empire building or somebody who is a part of a country that critiques American entertainment and politics, which I mean, Armstrong being British makes sense, but him creating this, character Logan specifically as this embodiment of kind of like vengeful grudge holding men and then using the the siblings and family of Logan as a vehicle to explore toxic families who run empires today in our country yeah. uh, of media and other industries, whether it's tech or whatever, and kind of showing them as like evil lords of post-industrial corporations and then showing these lords die and then watching like these families and what happens to them and seeing these Roy siblings like fall apart, but still have like billions of dollars, yeah. <laughs> even though they ultimately lose their creative inheritance, I guess is the best way to put it. Their, their ability to control the country is a more cynical way to <laughs> yeah. put it. I guess they, they're not able to now control the U.S. and they don't get their empire within the empire. I thought that was just so well done. And then you have like this kind of addition in season four of the failures of late capitalism and globalization, which is this rise of populism and fascism, as you see through Jared Mankin. Mm -hmm. Like what a a smart creation and invention and and to double down on that character this season, because he is taking a, I think a a risk in trying to explore that character because the way people have been tied to so many of the succession figures and Mankin is such a disgusting figure that does exist. Those people are real and they are coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, They already are here. And then you have Lucas Matson, who I think was just also so perfectly written. Yeah. And also to draw the comparisons between Matson and Macon yes. to the siblings and showing that the siblings actually like put them in power. Exactly. And so I think those characters and this kind of cycle of empire building and empire falls uh, is just so well done. That makes me think succession, even though it's talked about as a Shakespearean text that in Shakespeare informing a lot of succession. I look at it almost like a dystopian story that really is using these like contemporary problems, like a political dystopia um, that I I guess is showing how our country is self-destructing because of like failures of our democratic institutions and the media specifically and their indoctrinating powers, just destroying the, the fabric, the moral fabric of our culture. I think we'll probably look back in a decade at this final season of Succession and how it kind of predicted a lot of uh, figures who will be on the rise, like a Jordan Peterson-like politician that we could see in the future that will use use, like divisive rhetoric, um, not unifying optimism that sometimes we see in in some of our candidates. And so I I really enjoy the writing kind of using these fictional characters to represent what is coming. I think that is just really smart. And I think in many ways, like we've mentioned Probably the the final masterstroke from Armstrong to end the season is that Matson and Tom together are a little bit more scary than Logan because mm. it's a puppet uh, in Tom that is controlling, at least uh, an illusion of controlling, some of the most scary institutions like media. And instead, behind Tom, there are figures that you just will never see. 
in public life because they're too powerful. And you have like a literal psychopath in charge of someone like Tom controlling the narratives of our country. I forget literally what Madison told Tom at dinner, but the way he was talking about the way he wants to go in. Yeah. Under the hood. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is like, it's so well done because he's saying so much without saying like anything directly. And, uh, it's just a beautifully written, frightening show, um, that I, that I don't think is cynical. I think it's more, uh, a little bit fortune telling well, <laughs> of, I love, of what's coming. I love the idea of looking at this show. We've talked about how it's a satire, but like looking at it as, as a dystopian, which normally we think mm-hmm. of like Blade Runner or right, sure. these like nightmarish Orwellian stories. Yeah. yeah. And I think though, like to think about that, but it's a current day um, depiction of like power mm-hmm. and how it operates like right now. And also though, what, what you're talking about, like with the Minkin character, because we we talked about during that episode, especially America, America decides yeah. how he decided to go to like a Trump adjacent character to yeah. someone who's almost, um, who's scary in a different way. Yeah. And, and I think that Armstrong like deserves so much credit for that, obviously, but to show like what is happening, but also what can continue to happen within the sibling dynamic and how that is something that's realistic, but also is a reflection of how the public perceives Roy like figures or again, like what um, the Roy's are allowed to do because of the lack of consequences. And also just this idea that like the Roy's um, while we have repeatedly said like, yes, they are not serious people, but also their dad aren't serious people. But the reason that Logan um, and the the kids are in the position that they are is like, they are born into this position of yeah. power or wealth. Like we saw with Logan, we had this whole narrative that he came up from nothing, but you and like told us that the parents did have money to like send him. Yeah. To his school. uncle and aunt had money. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention, I think was we bring it up a lot, but one of our favorite films is the social network. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, a little over 10 years old now. Um, and this television show comes closest to the feeling I got from watching The Social Network that I still get when I the rewatch grime, that movie. Yeah. There's a grime, but there's also something deeply realistic about the deconstruction of very flawed, sad, struggling no no social abilities to communicate any issues that they're having pretty inept well kind of because they don't care right yeah sort of i i think masculine figures is my final point like yeah they see people as numbers they see them as yeah. as variables and like i think Jesse Armstrong's portrayal of Mark Zuckerberg is fantastic i think that Fincher film is incredible that Sorkin script is nuts but really what's impressive about that uh, that about that movie is we see the kind of like the uh, the wheels turning in that Zuckerberg fictional character um, and why he's going to become this like megalomaniac who wants to control and monopolize uh, people's realities and create a metaverse in the yeah. future. Um, and we see that from like his 19 year old self. Like we see what happens to him when he's in college that leads him to get to that point. And uh, I like what Succession does, which is it takes us to like a 10 year sequel to like the social network. We get to see what happens to these figures when they're 30 and they have like families that are broken. Um, and I, I just, I wanted to make that comparison because it does seem like the close, everyone's trying to compare this show to something. They've said Sopranos, Breaking Bad, whatever. But to me, it's more like a film. That's why I think it's the best show I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like something that has always had an end idea, maybe not exactly a plot 
point they wanted to get across, but an idea that they wanted to get across at the end of the show. And it definitely comes through here and it rings true. And it's really scary. And it's all the things that we're interested in as educators. When we talk about contemporary issues across the globe yeah. in our classrooms through the humanities, like in Kelsey with English and literature and language, and then me with social sciences, government, economics, and world history, like we talk about these things a lot. And so seeing them in a show and done at this high level, uh, it almost feels like academic in the way it's researched and the way it's executed. Um, so I don't think anything will ever beat this uh and I don't honestly, yeah, it's tough. It'll be really know. hard. This really fits like our vibe, like using a mockumentary humor, Larry David style kind of comedy, even in moments, yeah. <laughs> while also being in this like Aaron Sorkin like yeah, world. Like the fuck you flip flops has Fincher. been taken to the, yeah. the highest level. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Every line is coming out of Roman's mouth is like the fuck you flip flops. So, yeah, it's one of my favorite shows of all time, and I, I couldn't be more grateful for the people who've made it. Yeah, which also, uh, there was a roundtable. If anyone doesn't watch the Hollywood roundtables, the YouTube series, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, if you want to go back to... There's so many great conversations, yes. but Kieran uh, Culkin was in one, and he talked about how the cast got the get scripts for an episode, like maybe a day before, mm -hmm. um, or a day or a two few days, before. Yeah. And that, while maybe it's not totally out of the realm of TV and what happened. Prestige television. Yeah. The idea of that happening for succession and the is dialogue crazy. that they do are, yeah. are able to really deliver in, in the way that they do is wild. Yeah, because it's not like, even the broadcast news is one of our favorite scripts, especially in the speed in which they're mm -hmm. talking because it feels like a school. That's how teaching feels yeah. a little bit. Uh, Everything's on fast forward, yeah. Right, but there's nothing like Bobby, 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 even though we love that part of broadcast <laughs> news, everything in succession is so specific in the words. I imagine because there's a lot of people who have natural accents who are playing roles in succession. I imagine a lot of these words are very difficult to say, like mm -hmm. for Sarah Snook or Matthew McFadden, for example. Um, but the, the performers do a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just like delivering even like quips of someone you know, interrupting someone else or especially yeah. obviously like Kieran Culkin, like with the kind of tongue twisters that he has to do. Yeah. And this is really impressive, but okay. I, okay. Was there I'm anything, so anybody sad. we missed? Anybody I we're not talking about? We said everyone's so. name. Carl sang a song. He did a Carl pretty good did job. Sing a song. Yeah. Uh, uh, we didn't see Marsha, but we saw yeah, her in the funeral. I she kind of had her last moment where she told Shiv, you know, like your dad really screwed us over. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, I think we've talked about everybody, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think the only thing maybe we didn't is what's happening with Pierce. I guess Ken could. Pierce is still waiting for Pierce. a phone call back. Yeah. They're like, where is the money? Yeah. Yeah. I well, mean, I mean, they're going to get their money. So, I mean, I think Ken might still take it, take over the, you know, inside baseball politics show of Pierce to. Well, he can't afford it. He needed the siblings buy in. Oh, yeah. It was you the three what? of them right. all throwing their billions in. Even though I think his money's worth now, uh, worth more now because he got the price inflated yeah. with Living Plus. We'll see. What's going to happen to Living Plus? Did people already sign up to live there? Is, <laughs> is Matson going to crush it? That's our next television show is the succession. <laughs> the next series for Max, Discovery Max, is going to be Living Plus, run by Greg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Okay. That was the extra credits reaction to Succession Season 4, Episode 10 with open eyes. We're going to try to get this out, I guess, well, it's already in the AM, so Monday. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This episode... It is late, y'all. Okay. Yeah, this episode is basically our farewell deep dive to this show from Jesse Armstrong that we love and will never forget these moments in, in talking to to all of you listeners. We so appreciate dramatic. you tuning in. We will in. never forget these moments. Honestly, I won't. I, I don't know if we'll have a show like this again. Yeah. Knock on wood. 
Yeah. Um, okay, so that was Succession. Later this week, we'll have a Spider-Man ranking podcast with our good friend, James Steck. So much fun. It was a massive ep- episode that we're going to have to break into two parts, I think. it was. Although a, I'm still mad about one I, decision that was made. It was a collective some, ranking. Right. There were some hot takes on there. There was a good amount of arguing because of a Calcetta collective <laughs> ranking. There were some movies too high, some too low. I'm still not over one of them. Listeners will know soon. And then later this week, we'll be seeing Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is the second installment of the Spider-Verse films. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have an episode dedicated to that movie. I'm I'm asking for extra napkins uh, at the Alamo because I'm pre-preparing for me to cry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a well, lot we in that movie. Yeah, the Spider-Verse, like the first one. Yeah. Again, I, I cried during yeah. it. So. Uh, yeah. And long-time listeners, you know, I'm not, I don't easily cry during, during movies. But I do want to say before we go and, and leave Succession, we will talk about Succession a little bit more in our mailbag yeah. uh, with some questions that we got. But uh, this is our last episode yeah. on Succession in like a long time, I guess, in a, unless we decide to cover it again. Well, you know, if it is to be said, <laughs> so it be. So it is. <laughs> All right, everyone. This has been Trey. We we didn't make so many Tom and uh, and Greg jokes. Like the, you got to break a few... Greg's. Greg's to make a tomlet. Tomlet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, you got to say this is Kelsey. <laughs> okay, this is Kelsey. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs>